Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we'll take our usual look at the recent metagame before exploring everything that indomitable creativity has to offer. The red sorcery is part of what makes the Velomachus deck tick, but does it have any other tricks up its sleeve? Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 24 of the Serum Visions podcast. Coming to you from atop the spire of industry, I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is a man after whom the inspiring statuary was modeled, Arun Singh. Welcome back, and how the heck are you, Arun? I'm doing super well. It's wonderful to see you and Zach again. It's been a while. We've all been very busy, been getting sick, been taking vacations, been traveling. Life is hard, man. It's hard to just exist as a person. But you don't, I don't think yeah. people talk about that enough. You know, well, give yourselves credit for just surviving. Hell yeah. The, big big plus to that one. Uh, it turns out that um, starting a podcast during a pandemic when you don't have a lot else going on is probably a lot easier than maintaining a podcast when normal life is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fortunate, well, unfortunately, but we might not have to worry about life happening normally for too much longer with the Delta variant, but I do... I'll add a little rant of that later, uh, just because I'm a little fed up with some people. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, life is really great. I uh, got a nice vacation, saw friends, saw family, grandpa's 95th. Nice. It was very wonderful. That's awesome. You know, it's, it was like the first, we had like 12, 14 people, just like friends, cousins, or like pretty much just cousins. Uh, you know, everyone unmasked, everyone was vaccinated, but just, it's pretty surreal. And our, <laughs> I miss those large gatherings of just having like a dozen people, like good people in a room just like talking playing board games and laughing it's wild that like it i realized like you know like we all kind of realized like this has been our first like big experience with people mm-hmm. for like a year and a half mm-hmm. almost two yeah. years it's nuts yep also joining us is the man who in his formative years trained the oval chase daredevil himself zach ryle how are you zach i'm doing so so good man uh since the last one i think i went and got my second vaccine shot um which really Woo! kicked my ass. Yeah, that was that was uh, worth it. Though. Was, worth it. Oh, oh, completely worth it. I just like the whole next day. I was like, can someone tell my body that what I did for it was good? Because this sucks. <laughs> like I was just sore all over, and I had like a fever, and it was just a really good excuse to uh, be useless for a day or two, um, as opposed to the rest of the pandemic, where yeah, sure you feel like being useless, but. Uh, you know, you, you usually have a little bit more to, more motivation. Um, yeah. It has been nice, though, being away from people so long. Like, I haven't been sick in 18 months. So, yep. you know, that's been kind of good. Um, yep. But, you know, assuming this Delta variant crap do- doesn't work out in its favor, like, it, if the world goes back to quote-unquote normal soon, uh, you know, just, just so you know, I'm ditching you guys. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, start, I, I just, I'll, I'll be pot. No, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll do some kind of rogue podcast from the boat. We'll figure it out. Yeah, um, sounds but... good. I'm down. I'm down for pirate radio. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. Pirate, pirate radio. radio that's sounds... right. 
Santa Cruz actually had a pirate radio station for a while. Um, I don't know exactly where it was coming. It may still be around, but when I first moved here like 12-ish years ago, there was a station that I would pick up like periodically. And I was like, what is this station? And somebody informed me there is in fact a pirate radio station here. That's oh, sick. That's cool. Go them. Keep keep dreaming that keep dreaming that keep keep keeping the dream alive, you know. I would love to be a pirate go. in an alternate life. Sounds like sweet fun. Maybe we could get our show on the pirate radio. That would be sick. Yeah, that that I'd would be, be that would be a good way for them to keep as many viewers as they have now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, it's good to have everybody back in the same room, uh, or virtual space, I suppose, because we haven't ever been in the same room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, Team trios. Again, Wait for, for it. For those who it's don't happening. know, for those who don't know, this is an entirely digital group of friends. I mean, n- none of us have ever met each other, um, in person. Face to face, so. yeah. Wild. Yeah. So Not cool. Yet. Yeah. Not yet. But that's yeah, like yeah, it was a uh, wonderful thing of the digital era, and as my grandmother is fond of saying, um, you know, that this this global pandemic. I mean, in terms of other times when things like this have happened in history, I mean, we we could never count ourselves more lucky to have the ability to connect with people all over the world and not lose touch with your family. And you know, I, I'm someone who works in the cruise industry. That was a very different feeling, you know, 20 years ago, before cell phones, before the internet, before you know. Um, that that level of interconnectivity, um, and it's even more true for some of the people I've worked with, who you know they have actual like kids at home who they're not going to see for six or seven months. You know that's a big that's deal wild. for them. Yeah, that's yeah. rough. Oof. Yeah, yeah. I mean that they're just usually they're from countries where that's kind of uh, 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 you know it's it's worth it for them to do it for five or six years, and then they will have you know plenty of money to go around. Um, the topic came to mind actually because uh, our good friend uh, and uh, podcast uh, guest Mordekaiser recently did an episode of Faithless Brewing, uh, and it was phenomenal. That came out just this weekend, talking about all his favorite toolboxy decks. Um, yeah, so he did def- a really incredible job. Agree, that was a very good link to listen to. Mord also lots of good points. You know, like very good. Analysis. Oh my god, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's, uh... I haven't listened yet. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. I'm I... backlogged. I'm backlogged. Yeah, I mean there won't be any spoilers, but. I'm so used to him, like, because, you know, we really made each other shit posting the Nib Discord that, like, to hear him, like, speak so coherently is just like, wow, I didn't, you know, I knew he was, like, bright, but I didn't realize that he was, you know, just so bright. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you get a chance to catch him stream, you'd see just how fast that brain works. I, oh, I no. don't know that I've ever seen somebody play so fast. He's He's been a guest on my stream a bunch of times, co-streaming some of his style of decklist, and I, I'm just always flabbergasted by, like, how quickly he knows how to do every little thing and, like, the super complex backwards somersault mm-hmm. lines that he comes up with. It's uh, it's oh, yeah. pretty unreal. I watched him play Silvergak through two leagues, and I think it was, like, 4 a.m. for him, and he hadn't slept and he was still like i think he used a total of 5 minutes on his clock each each match meanwhile i'm going to time pretty much every time <laughs> i try and play that deck uh, yeah yeah he's a beast he's a monster he's a monster yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and in terms of out- output um i, I put out a, a, a cover song and video uh, the songs on the modern or cards on the modern band list yo that uh, was that so was, good uh, was... i just got to say i listened to that i was like damn 
Well done. You yeah, it was, a, it was a really fun time. You can find that on my YouTube. And what you can also find on my YouTube, before we get to the meta discussion, Brian mentioned we're going to be doing the normal meta discussion. And I think, I think it's probably a good idea for us to um, – or for me to to give up the floor a little bit to the rest of our podcast space. Um, so we are the Iterative Brewing Podcast, as Brian said, and uh, the meta discussion was something that I think I really feel like I was spearheading for a long time on this on this podcast. And while I think it's important to contextualize, um, you know, some of the, the the times in which we're brewing and some of the decks in which we're brewing, I mean, this is a really great blue sky kind of. What if we just picked a card? What if we picked a thing and we just we just you know, put it through its paces and try to come up with something really interesting with it and, and maximize it, even if it's something that's very speculative. And uh, the meta discussion, I think, was was kind of a distraction from that. So it is something we can touch on every week uh, or every podcast. But uh, I do have a new little program going on called This Week in Modern that I have, like, a, a little uh, screen test out of. Um so it's kind of more intense and uh, uh, kind of kind of goes like a um, uh, like a sports hype show uh, is is the is the premise of it. So um, you guys have seen the the, the episode zero has got really really massively yes. positive feedback so far, and I'm going to keep up I with that. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. So that's yeah. that's where I'm going to be putting that content so we can focus on brewing from now on. Um, here and so we'll just touch on like little little bits of the meta but but not as in-depth as we were doing before which i think yeah. will will be uh will probably be uh welcomed by most of our listeners i think yeah i'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of this change you know like just there's so many other podcasts and like, like you said like your little thing now too that just like does the meta analysis so much more in depth and it was right it was, it was more suggesting like a touching on things but yeah I, i'm i'm and very pro the- this change for the record, uh, I love uh, when they do it. The dive down does the best spreadsheet analysis in in the game, and every single week on Reddit and on Twitter, there is a uh, let's call them an MTG modern journalist, Bam Zing, who does very very I mean just incredible work uh, putting together all of that stuff and doing a little write up and uh, providing a space for people to talk about the competitive. Um, the competitive modern environment, as well as uh, usually the 5.0 dumps. So uh, if you want that content, check out uh, the dive down, check out Bamzing's Twitter and Reddit posts and uh, check out upcoming episodes of this week in modern. And if you guys know anything, what, what, what is, what did you, do you have anything else to add to that list? Uh, no, I mean, those sound great. Like I, I just, yeah, I took, like other podcasts. I do like yeah. them. Uh, Dominary is judgment with, uh, oh, with Harry Dom Lacks. Harvey. Yeah, and Dom and Harvey. Harry they Lacks. do, like, their their analysis is very spot on. Much more technical than whatever we were doing. Like, they, they're also a very good search if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of, you know, what's good and what's bad. And, like, how... If you want to beat the meta, like, if you want to beat next week's meta, that seems like the podcast to listen to. But that's definitely not... We're about losing to this week's and next week's meta. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that Zach said it best. Uh, our meta analysis is really meant to sort of contextualize some of the choices that we make while brewing. Because while we're not necessarily trying to beat the meta, we do take it into account when we're, you know, picking cards to round out our 75. Um, it it determines what we're putting on our sideboards. It determines whether we're playing, you know, prismatic ending versus portable hole versus, you know, any of these other exactly exactly and so 
at the very least, you know, I think it's good for us to touch on it because it sets the tone for the rest of the, the brewing session in the episode and kind of serves as a historical marker of what was going on at the time and why we may have brewed a deck a particular way. Yeah. So um, with, with all that said, uh, right now, the modern metagame, I mean, it is so crazy and open in the queues. Um, within the last week, um, we, we, we all know that we've seen like a pretty weekly cycle in the challenges of particular archetypes coming out clearly on top of a, of a given weekend. Um, a couple of the challenges have been a little bit more diverse recently, um, but last week there was the shocker of three mono green Tron in the Sunday <laughs> top eight and another one in ninth. Um, now I haven't listed it in the tier one of this week because it's gone, gone. already. Um, if you look at the top 32s of all the events right now, it's not present. Um, so much like dredge, the hate is very much present for decks like that. And, um, for whatever reason, it just spiked that one day. Uh, but that means it could happen again. Um, and Etron was uh, way up there on the same uh, weekend, uh, losing into the uh, or um, winning in the finals uh, on a, on a different challenge than the one I just mentioned. However, um, for a tier one right now, uh, in my consideration, we've got uh, Teamer Rhinos and Living End. Uh, Teamer Rhinos is far and away performing better than Living End right now. But uh, Teamer Rhinos, spoiler, <laughs> uh, won the gigantic paper event, the Hunter Burton Memorial Open that was held over this weekend. So that was like almost like a GP. It was 13 rounds of Swiss uh, cut to top eight. Damn. Um, yeah. And uh, the the finals was a Team Rhinos mirror match. Um, then uh, also on the top, we've got Blue Red Merktide, Grixis Lurus Control, and uh, Four Color Elementals. And those are all the decks I feel comfortable to say that are like firmly tier one right now. Um, however, like floating around the tier 1.5 space, we have four color creativity slash Velomachus, Hammer Time, Niv Mizzet, and Bring to Light Shift. And these are all decks that I've seen in multiple top eights over the weekend. But like these ones, like maybe next week there'll be none in a top eight. But I would expect to see some of the things that I listed in tier one. Um, and then the tier two territory is like literally everything. I mean, it's crazy if you go look at some of these challenges right now. Um, there's a Jund Unearth company that has constantly put like one deck into like 20th place of one challenge <laughs> per weekend. Um, I played it against it once and it just spanked me on Velomachus turns. Because um, it was like Fulminator, Unearth, Fulminator, Collected Company into Fulminator. And I was like, I, I guess I'm dead. Oof. Skelemental, yeah. Skelemental. Oof. Nice you got game. Me. Both teams played hard. Exactly. Um, but I mean, I listed some stuff here, but I mean, really, like if you if you want to look for something that is like you think it's like an established modern deck, I bet you could find it in a challenge top 32 right now. I mean, it's really, really wide open. And I think the cues definitely feel that way. Um, oh, whenever yeah, you yeah. go in, it's you might have like three hammer times in one queue, but you also might run into like green Tron, E Tron, blue Tron, blue white control. Like it's it's wild. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to this uh, later on in the episode, but I, I started a league that I have not yet finished, and I ran into red green hollow vine, Ooh. and it it didn't seem to be like an Asmora food hollow vine. It was just like I, I I saw the underworld cookbook. I never saw an Asmora. Maybe they just never drew it. But, you know, we got Root Wallas going on. We had Venge Vines coming out. Uh, it was 
yeah, it was uh, it was surprising. I was not expecting that at all. So, yeah, wild, uh, yeah. wild I, times. I, I I do feel like we're kind of past the the initial hype phase of Modern Horizons two, definitely, and we have moved into the oh, there's actually a whole lot more good cards in this set other than Urza's Saga and, you know, Murktide Regent and some of the obvious choices. Yeah, Um, I think that Spike playing with Dress Down is, like, super cool, right? Now we have this explosion of people who are trying these Dress Down lists and things like that, and I think that, you know, we're going to continue to find that there is a whole broad band of really cool cards that can make some decks that are competitive well i mean one of the most tilting things for me that happened in the last month was like the development of these like teamer and jund food decks and it just made me go back to like week one what we were brewing around academy manufacturer and we were like 80 percent of the way in terms of card selection to like these exact decks and like oh, yeah. we we <laughs> didn't stick with it long enough to find like to actually play as Mora in our in our underworld cookbook decks. We didn't stick around long enough to learn that Oval Chase Daredevil was busted in half, or that you should be playing Finale of Devastation to get your S Moras. I um, mean, I'm you know, I mean, I see what you're saying. I would argue that the main reason is that you know we were like with the Temer list, like we were. I was, you know, I didn't give a shit about Asmo. I wanted you know, I want a, man, a manufacturer. Like I want those. 50, I want those 100, 100 constructs. Right, but we, we did things like, we were like, oh, you know what's really good with Urza Saga? Urza, Emery, and Renin Six. And, like, yeah. that's one of the decks that, like, popped up in the last couple weeks was someone being like, oh, what if I made, like, a slick, smooth version of this with Esmora? And it's like, oh, we were almost there. We were this close. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, they cut the bad cards. And, you know, you, yeah, you cut the exactly. bad cards, Zach. I don't cut the bad cards. I leave them in there. And, you know, we just suck it up. <laughs> I'm just saying I am just saying, I felt responsible for, for missing the mark on that. Because I was like, oh, I was so close. Jiggy, I mean, you I, were right there with me. I knew there was a bet. You could have asked me. been like, You could have been like, Arun, you know, just like, can we make this deck good instead of making it nonsense? I would have been like, yeah, you know, cut the manufacturers yeah, for a start. Yeah, but then we went the entire <laughs> other direction. And we were like, yeah, but what if we put in... In uh, song of creation, that would be way more fun. Yeah, I mean, you know that's <laughs> that's our style, right? You're not wrong. It was, yeah. it was, it was. I mean, honestly, so, uh, this is a great reminder. I've been messing with Saga because, like, I mean, I'll, just to go briefly, Saga reminds me a lot of Uro because it subsidizes mm, the bad cards in your deck. Agree. Like, you, you can get away with playing garbage if you have four Sagas. So, like, this is my dream card, pretty much. Uh, and I have, I've been messing with Saga, Breach, Saga, you know, I've been, I've been putting Saga on everything. But Saga, Song of Creation, you know, like, there we go, that's cooking with fire, I'm down for that, that's a genius idea. Uh, you can get a lot of cheap artifacts to make your construct super gigantic. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, it combo through your whole deck that way. And, and, if you're going to have a lot of cheap artifacts, you're guaranteed to keep your bad card density high. Because, like, 99% of the cheap artifacts that exist are bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the fact, I, when I can sleep on my Ornithopters again, hot damn, that'll be a good day. Ornithopter and Drum is, like, my terrible drug of choice. Memnite has gone up in price to an outrageous amount. Uh, and the, the full art promo Memnites that I bought for a quarter, like, I don't know. <laughs> what what are they worth now, like 20 bucks? Episode one. They're like ten bucks a piece or something. Yeah, nice. it's insane. Reg- regular MTG are like five, finance. seven dollars. 
Yeah, if you can find yeah. them. Like, Hammer Time, all the pieces for Hammer Time are, like, impossible to find. Stoneforge Mystic, oh my god. I sold out of my Stoneforge Mystics, like, six, eight weeks ago. Like, when Modern Horizons came out, I was like, ah, these have, like, tripled in price since uh, Dull Masters came out. And since then, they still went up, like, another, like, 30 40%. Like, it's crazy. Wow. There was, like, $70, $80 card. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. It's just... More uh, reprints. Yeah, thanks to Hammer Time. Well, yeah, I guess I just, we just need infinite more reprints. Um, but anyway, so well, that, that's, uh, uh, that's yeah. Oh. I, I think that segues us well, uh, uh, nicely into at least something I did want to touch on in this meta section, which is um, the return of paper play. Um, oh, and, yeah. And it, uh, so I've, I've now played three paper events. Um, things have been open here for a little while, but, you know, <laughs> children and trying to be an adult uh makes it difficult to get out sometimes and uh it's been awesome and you know i think that it's important to to say like yeah we're talking about an online meta and we do a lot of our testing online but as people are returning to paper play don't be afraid to like play whatever you enjoy because that's what the other people are doing at your lgs even the people who are spiky are still going to bring, you know, their pet card occasionally or whatever. The first night that I played Modern, there were, I think, 16 people, which, by the way, big shout-out to my LGS, which requires masking and vaccines, which makes me feel much safer about things. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So I think there were 16 people in my first Modern event. There were, like, three Tron decks. And this was at a time that everybody had basically quote-unquote, agreed that Tron was dead. And there were still three Tron decks. And since then, um, I have played against Abzan Midrange. Somebody actually cast a Siege Rhino against me. Um, I have played against, you know, top-tier things like Grixis Lurus, uh, but I've also played against, you know, janky homebrew sort of hardened scales type decks and everything in between. So... um, just a reminder that the online meta is not necessarily what you're going to find in your store. And I think that, you know, most people who are playing in a store are well aware of this fact, but, um, you know, I think for a little while, uh, it, it seemed like a lot of things had been chased out of the meta and it, that may be the case for online, but that isn't necessarily the case for in paper play. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, the, to jump on that. I'm the reason I'm most excited for paper, well, a bunch of reasons, but you know, like, it's it's a little bit of a bummer queuing into like hammer time twice and then blue red merc tide twice and five color elementals and they just like crush you while you're trying to play your manufactured jank and you know like now i don't have now i can worry about that less like tomorrow i'm actually going to my first paper modern and you bet it's going to be temer yori on game objects like I, how could i not yeah. you know i've got it got it already got the cards got the i got the uh the dominaria or the got the navigators compasses got the cookbooks you know we're we're going full. We're going full. I have them. Um, uh, <laughs> I have fifty of each treasure, food, and <laughs> that's uh, amazing. I, you know, I, I honestly, if it, if it's a good game, it's they're not going to be enough. Ah, uh, love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, so, in store yeah. in store play took a while longer to return to Canada for a whole bunch of reasons. You know, our vaccine rate, or maybe um just uh the the understanding of wizards of the coast that um we would be a little bit more conservative with uh with things like that but uh it's it's been here for i think like 9 days 
and I know uh, I know some people who have been to Paper Play. Um, for the moment, there hasn't been anything comp REL, and like when I worked at an LGS, yeah, I played all sorts of weekly events. But um, right now, like most of the stores I know are are pretty uh, inaccessibly far away from me. Um, although I just looked it up as we were starting the podcast because these guys were shooting shooting the breeze with me, and I was like, ah, oh, I really should find one of the local ones and just like go <laughs> check it out, like a place I've never been to before, and just go go play. Um, so before the next episode, I'll, I'll make I'm make a promise to you guys that I'm going to try to go play some Paper Magic. Oh um, uh, yeah, because you'll nice. s- see how much of a celebrity you are. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. God, come well, on, Mr. nobody's going to know who I am, <laughs> Mr. Famous Streamer. Not- yeah, the last time I was playing, I was playing uh, Esper Wurza, and, and the guy I was playing made mention that he wanted to build Velamaka's turns. And I was like, oh, yeah, a buddy of mine plays that. Uh, he streams it. And he was like, oh, what's his name? And I told him Mana Symbol. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a guy I've been watching. He's the reason I want to build it. So there uh, you go. You got fans, man. Cool. You got yeah, fans. Exciting, yeah. exciting. Yeah, well, and it, it's uh, funny you should mention that. It's like I'm one of the few holdouts on like the classic style. Uh, although shout out to um, one of the other most successful early players. Um, so there was the, the the person who originally developed the deck that was uh, Freak You Nasty. And there's another uh, streamer who is like X Phoenix X20 or something like that. I usually just call him Phoenix. Uh, I do know his, nor- his actual name, although I'm not gonna say it here on stream. Um, but Phoenix uh, went to the Hunt- Hunter Burton Memorial uh, today and made 18th place in that paper event, playing um, Hell yeah. like full-on Velomachus turns with um, seven time warp effects in the main deck. He was uh, down to three savers to make room for a couple other cards that he thought were were uh, slick. So um, legit, yeah. Kudos to him. A, that's real. Yeah. 18th at yeah. Hunter Burton. Oh yeah, legit. yeah, big accomplishment. Um, because uh, since Zan Saeed stepped uh, into the deck and very quickly turned it into this like indomitable creativity Emrakul deck, um, that deck has been quite successful. And there's been a, another player, Rooney fifty six, who's been floating around a bunch, um, and he's built basically like a hybrid version where it plays four time warps, one Velomachus, one Emrakul, and uh, frees up the the slots from Saber the moment for more interaction and stuff. So there's <laughs> a lot of different. Um, spots between like full on Velomachus turrets or four color creative Emrakul or in between that are all that all seem to be viable. Um, and I think one of the things that matters most is the metagame. You know, if it's a yep. lot of you know a certain set of decks, then you want to play one version, and if it's more of another set of decks, you want to play the other version. Um, yep, yep. Basically, the more linear the metagame is, the more you want to play Velomachus turns, and the more interactive the metagame is, the more you want to play Emrakul. That's the short and uh, short and long of it. Um, and with- maybe by the end of our main section here on uh, brewing around Indomitable Creativity, we'll find that you want to play neither of those and opt for a much worse version. <laughs> yeah, or or um, or Techie, because uh, we've got a, a list from Mr. Rayeb, and uh, spoiler alert, that list, he took it to uh, uh, top four in the challenge uh, today in uh, one of the online oh. challenges. Ding. Yeah. Nice. Wow. So, uh, Way to go. Why, why don't we get to uh, the brewing talk, Brian? All right. Well, uh, let's take a little break before we do. And when we return, we'll talk some brews. Stay with us. Uh, 
All right, welcome back. So, uh, as we said at the very beginning of the intro, we brewed around with uh, indomitable creativity this time. And uh, just as a, a, a bit of a, a, a preface to this, um, in the last episode, I had mentioned some updates to Silvergak. Well, I took some of those changes uh, into a league, and I just got absolutely murdered. It was like one of those 0-4 drop situations, because literally every match, they had uh, Blood Moons or Alpine Moons for the Tron pieces. They had Pithing Needles. They had Artifact Hate for all of the artifacts. Uh, and so I decided that it just wasn't the right time for Silver Gak, and I put that on ice. Uh, and that's when I decided that I was going to get a little bit creative with Indomitable Creativity. Um, I had uh, just played the Velimachus Turns deck at uh, a paper event, and uh, you know I've been watching Zach stream during challenges, uh, and so I decided I wanted to experiment a bit and see what Indomitable could do for us. And because I had come off the Silver Gak kick, I decided to go for my other favorite stormy artifact, which is Bolus's Citadel. Woo! Shout out um, to Bolus's you know, Citadel for being amazing but never resolving. Shout out yeah. to Cave, Cave Dan for never giving up on it, except for all the times he's probably given up on it. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever get the 5 we gotta we got to ask him if we can get that basket of cookies or whatever it was that they Oh, <laughs> oh man. That's I'm determined. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's a fun that that's a fun project. We sh I should go back so, to Citadel. You should because you probably yes, absolutely. It's fun. We'll I work know. on this. Citadel and Mentor, you uh, know, sign me up. I love that. Well, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. So we had already done some Citadel things in the past. You know, I'd used some Shape Anew and and whatnot. And so I thought, all right, let's start by just kind of looking at some of these old lists. Uh, I had a Jund list. Um, that is where I started, and I swapped out. Uh, so I, I had a, a jund, a wet jund, if you will, in the past with Shapenu, and so I, I I just decided to go <laughs> to <laughs> to go regular plain old jund with no blue, uh, and I swapped in the Indomitable Creativity and the Dorvern Mine package from um, you know the Velamakis deck to to find the Citadel and cheat it into play. Uh, some of the cards, I'm not going to read the entire list because it turns out it was actually bad, but some of the supporting <laughs> cards that I used uh, had been things that I had used in prior attempts. So this was like Collective Brutality, uh, which is nice because if you escalate it or even if you hit it off the top with Citadel, you can just gain two life and drain two, which is really important for a Citadel deck because you want them to be at 10 or less life so that you can activate your Citadel for the win and you need to keep your life up so that you don't run out while you're trying to storm off. Uh, I also had a set of Witherbloom Command, Weather the Storm, Crashing Footfalls, and Lightning Bolt. Now, because Indomitable Creativity does not allow you to play creatures unless you want to find them with creativity, I had to cut the Sedgemore Witches, I had to cut the Monastery Mentors, and these other types of cards that produce a bunch of tokens. Uh, in its place, I went for Sahili Sublime Artificer. Um, she does a fair impression as a token maker um, anytime you cast an instant or a sorcery, uh, which is really all you're casting in this deck. Uh, and then to keep the lands flowing, I added a, a playset of Renin Six. This is one of the things that has always been really nice about the Creativity deck is like you just don't run out of lands. And for some reason, I feel like anytime you start with a turn two Renin Six, you can just like drag the game out to turn six or seven or something. 
it, it just it seems like the games go longer and I'm not even necessarily doing anything. I'm just playing fetch lands turn after turn. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I love, you know, every time I don't play deck with Ren and Six, and then I play deck with Ren and Six, I'm like, damn, why is the opponent cheating? You know, like, why did I, why am I not playing red and green in this deck? Yeah, I have... but, but on the flip side, whenever you run into burn or prowess, every single land you play, you're like, oh, no, I feel the walls closing <laughs> in. The walls yeah. are closing in. Well, let's, uh... It, it's it's funny you make that point because you know what's kind of like running into burn or prowess, casting spells by using your life total. <laughs> Even worse if you're against burn or prowess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I just uh, to round out the last few cards, I added in some jank. Um, I've been interested <laughs> in strike it rich, uh, and it's an additional way to make tokens. It can be ramp, so I figured I would give that a shot. Um, the indomitable package being well tested at this point because of the Velo turns deck worked great. Ren and six recurring fetches meant I didn't miss land drops. Uh, it gave, gives you a really powerful proactive play on turn two. Witherbloom Command, Collective Brutality, and Lightning Bolts were all enough interaction that I wasn't just dead on four, um, but ultimately this particular build fizzled super hard on the combo turn every single time it came up, and it came up pretty often. Indomitable's really good at getting out that Citadel, but there were two big problems with the approach. The first is that, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the mana has you shocking quite a bit. And so I was already low life total by the time the Citadel came down. And then I basically just couldn't cast a bunch of spells. Uh, the other was that there was not enough deck manipulation to carry you through the lands. Um, that is something that, you know, the silver gack deck does really well because it has access to all the chromatics and, um, you know, brainstone and things like that. Expedition map. Yeah, exactly. There's just so many ways to, to shuffle away those lands or, or bounce them to hand or, or whatnot. And you just can't do any of that with indomitable because you can't play the artifacts. Um, so that was pretty frustrating. Yeah, back in the day, we, we hacked that um, on Song of Creation by playing, like, Ren and Six with, like, a very inappropriately low land count and just being really greedy with our mulligans. Like, uh -huh. it was just, we were just, like, mull to two lands and Ren and Six every game and you'll be fine. Mull oh, to yeah, four I mean, for it, you'll be fine. 23 we're, lands in our Yorion deck, Zach. In an 80-card like. deck. It's like playing a 17-land like 60 card deck and we played four urza for karn you know like we weren't messing around no 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 yeah. we, we were we were not dicking around <laughs> no it was I, I mean i think that's exactly what you needed to do um and that was kind of where i ended up at the end i was like well i just need to keep shaving lands because it, i i think i don't know i didn't actually take good enough notes to know but i would say probably 60 percent of the time i would get a citadel down and then the next card was a land and i just had to pass turn and hope that it was good enough uh narrator it was not yeah i mean that's, when wasn't. i was mess when i messed with citadel and the mentor like in the kinnan mentor those wild builds uh, with Emery, like man, I miss Uro so much. I'm I'm just always gonna be sad about Uro. <laughs> oh my god! Ah, it's just I when I don't think about it, it's so much easier. When I don't think about how much I miss Uro. Yeah, it's so oh. sad. But like because I played Emery, like I I played a bunch of those chromatic stars, and they were they were the reason that you could just keep going, just yeah, like yeah, get yeah. up, sit it all, mentor a couple stars, clear your top, and then you know you're good with like 
swing a 15 power the next turn. So yeah, that's with without access to artifacts, it seems like it's gonna be really difficult to be able to manipulate the top of your library. Yeah. yeah, in the previous builds I had done stuff like Cathartic Reunion, um, actually Witherbloom Command, you can mill the top three, but like, if, you're, if you've just tapped out to Indomitable into the Citadel, then you're not doing anything, because you're not casting, you know, like, you're not playing the land off the top of your deck if it's the first card, and you're not casting anything, even if you have a Witherbloom Command in hand. And so I think it was just a combination of already being at low life when the, the Citadel comes down. Uh, the fact that there's still a ton of artifact hate floating around. So it's like, cool, I can pass turn and then hope this doesn't get shattered. Oh, it got shattered? Okay, well, good game. Uh, <laughs> and just like, you know, even if you don't run into a land, you might cast two or three spells that don't do a whole lot. And then you hit your land and your life total is even lower now and you've done almost nothing um this is kind of where i also realized how important it was to have the sedgemore witches uh sahelia is good at making tokens but she does not come down in multiples and that is actually a problem um so being unable to play creatures with indomitable turns out is actually a pretty big liability because those tokens are what enable you to activate the citadel usually like you don't really have a, a lot of non-land permanence on the battlefield mm. and so you need those tokens so that you can activate the citadel all right well in in the spirit of adding bad cards to fix your bad cards your problems created by bad cards what about cards like <laughs> scheming symmetry uh, I actually haven't tried it, but I have considered it. I thought about that. I thought about Profane Tutor. Um, again, it it only solves the problem if you have the mana to use it the turn that you need it, right? Like, if you get your Citadel down, the top card is a land, and you're tapped out, you're still kind of just in this really bad spot. Yeah, but um, what do you have more chances that your top card will be a good card, though? Like, you know, like, what if Oh, you're... sure. Like, you know, I, I don't know Shaving the there's... lands, I think, is the strategy. Yeah, yeah like, I, I don't you... know if there's a way to fix it without some kind of manipulation that's going to invalidate your whole premise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the one that kind of, like... Yeah, the, the one that would would feel like it would work really well is the um, Maze Mind Tome, but obviously that's an artifact that you'll flip into. Yep. Yeah. I and... actually thought the same thing. I added the Maze Mind Tomes. Oh, I no. went into a heads-up queue. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Whoops. <laughs> Latin wasn't a league. I've jumped into a league without Thassa's Oracle on my Breach deck, and that gets pretty awkward. <laughs> that is the best story ever. Because we've all had the moment where we thought we did it. But uh... yeah, I mean, the worst part is, like, now, you know, when I play a Breach deck and I'm going through and it's, you know, like, you know, oracles in the bottom three. I always get nervous. I'm like, shit, like, did I add the oracles? Like, I could have sworn I added the oracles, but I don't see the oracle yet. And then it comes up in the last flip, and you're like, thank goodness. But, you know, I have nightmares of milling my deck and not finding the oracle and being like... Um, Brian, were you playing anything along the lines of Weather the Storm to make it into, like, a full combo? Or are you just yeah, on the... Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, I had three copies of Weather the Storm, um, and then with the four Witherbloom commands and the four Collective Brutalities, I had eight zero cost spells and i say zero in air quotes but both of those are able to pay for themselves by recouping that much life right right and like yeah. It, it yeah you 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 had enough of the combo engine it just doesn't work and and like we 
had a low fizzle rate from time to time, but there was a fizzle rate with song creation that was that was ripping you through two cards. Yeah, but um, the the thing with that though is once you fizzled, you had like an you had two Urzas and like two seventeen seventeen oh, yeah, constructs yeah, yeah. and a billion mana I mean, and an Urza. Well, or 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 the most important thing is like once you got going, once you cast your first zero cost spell, if you hit two zero cost spells, you weren't fizzling from that point. Because that, mm -hmm. that, that puts you up. Whereas, like, this one, it's like you, you just have to take, you know, the 70-30 on every single flip. And once you get bricked, that that's it. You're done. I mean, unless you actually have a way to manipulate it. So, yeah. I mean, Bullets to Citadel seems like a very speculative thing to, <coughs> to do this with. Um, yeah. Well, I was not dissuaded exactly by the Jun list. Um, then nor should I you thought, be. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, the real problem here is that I can't get rid of these stupid lands on the top of my deck. So I'm going to go into blue so that I can get more scrying effects. There we go. There uh, we go. I'm down with this. So I, I built a teamer version. Um, and the benefit of the teamer was that I got to play the card selection spells, namely Ser Serum Visions and Omen of the Sea. I actually thought, oh, Omen of the Sea, we got this enchantment, it's going to scry me, you know, I'm going to get some card draw, and then it'll sit on the battlefield and I'll be able to activate it when I run into a land. Never got to activate one. It turns out when you're tapped out because you just indomitabled for your Bolus's Citadel, you don't have the mana to activate your uh, Omen of the Sea. So, yeah. again... Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it, it helped a little bit. I think I got through a little bit more of my deck before I fizzled, but ultimately I continued to fizzle. You know, the important thing to keep in mind is that the Serum Visions and the Omen of the Sea are really only good if the next cards behind them are lands so that you can scry those lands away. Otherwise, they haven't really done a whole lot for you because you're just going to leave the other, you know, the cards on top. Mm. And um, when you run into that land, if you don't have the card, you know, the, the Serum Visions or whatever in your hand or you don't have the mana to cast it, then you're exactly where you were in the Jund list. So I don't think it was worth it. Um, I also tried a Mardu version because the whole shocking yourself uh, a ton was still not working out. Um, it was a little bit better in the Teamer version. Uh, not really. I, that, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it, it seemed it seemed a little bit better. I think because I had the card selection uh, from like the early Serum Visions and things like that. I don't know. I wasn't leaning on Ren and Six quite as hard, I guess. I don't know. It sounds a little bit weird, but because you're sort of sculpting the next few draws, you know, I'm a little bit more confident in, like, playing lands tapped and things like that. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I just don't think it was enough. But the, the whole life loss thing was really getting me down. So I went Mardu, figured, you know, maybe I'd throw in some Lightning Helixes, um, some other life gain spells. Uh, I added some, um, what is the, it's single white mana for a spell that will destroy an enchantment or gain you for life. I think Light of Hope, maybe? Yeah, that's um, the, you can also put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature. Yeah, so I that's put a two of those in sure. my list. Yeah. Right, but it turns out really relevant right now with all the Urza Sagas running around. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd yeah. Be, I'm same with that. For, Fragmentize, which is one white, destroy target artifact or enchantment with converted mana cost four or less? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Brian, do you know how salty I would be if I was playing a Saga deck and my opponent indomitable <laughs> creativity into Citadel and then hits a Light of Hope and kills my Saga with it? I'd be like, what the <laughs> hell is this? I, I'd probably file for comp. 
<laughs> I hope somebody did. I I didn't actually get that line, but I did have a light of hope and an opening hand, and like my opponent turned two sagas, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. Uh, but it turns out all the life gain in the world isn't gonna get you there, um, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, a weather the storm is just far far superior for this purpose. <laughs> like if you're really trying to buffer your life total, weather the storm is just head and shoulders better. Um, even if you're not storming off, oftentimes your opponent will double or triple spell, and you can mm-hmm. capitalize on that to buffer your life. Um, and yeah, it, you know, this was more of a burn deck that was also trying to Citadel and it just, it really didn't work out. I think at the end of the day, as I said before, not having, uh, uh, an abundance of token makers, like losing the mentors or the Sedgemore witches was really painful. And in particular, Sedgemore witch is really good because of those pest tokens, Pest tokens gaining you a life is not insignificant because you could be halfway through a combo turn, um, really low on life, and then you can activate the Citadel to kill the pest tokens and a bunch of other random garbage you have laying around, get your life total back up because of the pests you killed, and then continue, you know, chaining off or whatnot. So anyway, this is a lot of talk about Bolus's Citadel. Our favorite card. The, the, but, but the you know the the intent here was to talk about indomitable creativity and when i ran through all of these citadel lists and went well none of these worked i kept coming back to i would much rather be playing on you know either shape anew or um just something else to get the citadel out it, it didn't feel like i was using the creativity so from all your testing you would say that uh Creativity in Citadel is just strictly inferior uh, to shape a new into Citadel. I think so. I think that the not being able to play creatures is a really big drawback. And like we weren't using all parts of the Buffalo here, right? I was basically casting Indomitable Creativity for X equals one every single time, which is the same cost as shape a new. And it put really heavy restrictions on my mana base by, you know, forcing me into this super heavy red because it's got triple red in the casting cost because I was trying to support Dorvan Mine, things like that. And so, yeah, I think it's just it's not the right tool for that job. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Look, we're, ha- we're asking the hard-hitting questions here at Serum Vision's podcast where, no, you should not indomitable creativity into your Citadel. You should actually just shape a new into it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 if you're using it for X1, uh, it offers very little in the way of advantage. Uh, other than you can X2 or 3 or whatever to insulate your, your spell from removal. But, you know, that's that's pretty marginal when you're talking about a color swap. Whereas, like, I think blue in a lot of places is probably more welcoming to a lot of the uh, artifact transmutation sort of ideas. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so after those failures, uh, in spite of all the fun I had along the way, I decided to just like start over, clean slate, think about what it is that creativity offers us that some of these other things don't. And the big things were, as Zach said, you can X equals, you know, two plus uh, to skirt removal, but also X equals two plus to, 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 you know, not tutor, but find uh, two or more things in your deck. And that was kind of the light bulb moment. Like, oh, 
why am I doing x equals 1 when I could do x equals 2 and find an AB combo? Why so one need... card splinter twin when you can two card splinter <laughs> twin? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I was trying to think, like, well, what do I want to get? You know, the typical things that you get right now are Velomachus. Well, it turns out not good as, as a twofer. You don't want two Velomachi. They are legendary. Uh, Emrakul, also not going to work. You don't want two Emrakuls. Um, so, yeah, the AB combo seemed like the way to go. And, uh, you know, as a fan of janky artifacts, uh, my mind immediately went to Knowledge Pool and Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Of course. Oh, Match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I do got to say, I'm curious to see what you say about this. Because way back when, I actually did try and create a Bant Shape Anew into Knowledge Pool Lavinia a deck. Where it had Teferi and, like, all this other nonsense. And this was, I think it actually might have been post-Eldrain, but, you know, Spike hadn't... Spike hadn't enlightened us that gingerbread cabin is real yet. So, like, I didn't have that engine. I, ha I had a pretty terrible one. But it actually worked pretty well, and I liked the deck a lot. But the one issue, I could get the lock down all the time, but, like, it never did anything. Like, so many times they just kill me out of it. I was like, oh, like, Lavinia mm. and Azorius Renegade. <laughs> like, I've got Lavinia Knowledge pulled down. My, my blue-eyed opponent is toast. You know, I got them. They're just like... And then they cast a spell. They flip three car, or... I forget how it is, but... Oh, they're just really weird, but they found they found a way to cast a, um, uh... Because uh, it wasn't... Teferi's a hard lock, but is only a soft lock. So they casted... Yep. What's the the Wrath of God that that's uncounterable? Day uh, of Judgment? Supreme Verdict. Supreme no, Verdict. Yes, yes, yeah, so like, like, oh, they just cast Supreme Verdict, and it's like, oh, nice. Like, yeah, that works. Unfortunate. But I will, yep. I mean... Uh... I love the I love the lines with it though. Like I'm I'm actually I'm very curious to see what you want to say because I have some things I want to ask you about. I mean, my my first initial piece of feedback though, by the way, is we are transmogrifying into something that costs six at this point, um, which which is not a far cry from transmogrifying into Velomachus, except you do need to hit two things, which does like increase a lot of. It makes it a little more fizzly. Yeah, but Zach. <laughs> yeah. Velomachus is a good card, and Lavinia isn't. That's the difference. Not, nor, nor is Knowledge Pool, although I'll, I'll, I'll let get Brian get into it, but there, the, the redundancy in the combo here uh, shouldn't, shouldn't be overlooked. So, Brian, yeah, take yeah. it away with that. Yeah. Well, before, before we get uh, into it, I do want to read both of these cards for yeah, our dear yeah, listeners we who do. may not know. So, uh, first up is Lavinia, Azorius Renegade. She is white-blue for a legendary creature, Human Soldier, uh, with the text, Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. So, really, that's kind of some Tron hate for you. Uh, they get their three Tron lands out, and then they can only cast three drops, which is pretty sweet. Except creatures, um, they can still warm coil your butt, which happens to me all right, the time. They can. That is true. Uh, then we have the second um, paragraph on Lavinia. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. Uh, and she is a 2-2. Two -two. Then on the artifact side, we have Knowledge Pool, which is six generic mana for imprint. 
when Knowledge Pool enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top three cards of his or her library. Whenever a player casts this spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card exiled with Knowledge Pool without paying that card's mana cost. So what is happening here is basically you exile the top three cards of your library. Whenever you cast a spell from hand, you get to play a spell from uh, knowledge pool that is exiled with knowledge pool without paying for it because of the Lavinia text. You're not paying mana for that. So it should be countered or the opponent's spell should be countered. Yours get through. Um, The same is true with Teferi time raveler. Although, uh, whereas Lavinia counters, and thus the uncounterable Supreme Verdict can still get through, uh, Teferi just disallows it, p- just full stop, and will not even allow them to cast. So Janeth Magistrate is the third redundant piece in this now. That yes. And it would also lock it out. But I just got to say for the listeners, Knowledge Pool is a hoot to play with. Like, that card is a it's trip. It's wild. You've ever yeah, when just, you end like, up in the position where you don't have the Lavinia or Teferi, it gets amazing. really goofy. It's amazing. Yeah, because, yeah. like, you're like, all right, I'll play a Lightning Bolt, but instead of Lightning Bolt, I'm going to take your Karn <laughs> Liberated. I mean, one, one of my favorite things with like is, like, you draw your Knowledge Pool. Like, okay, so you cast, like... You cast it, and then you hope to hit a Teferi or a Lavinia, and then like then you cast an instant to then swap the instant with Lavinia or the Teferi, and then you get the lockdown. But I tried this, and then my opponent fatal pushed like my thing, and then they stole my Teferi from the knowledge pool and like, locked me out. <laughs> it's just like like the games are a hoot. I love it. I I did have some some interesting you know flips like that where like I just decided you know I, I'm my back's against the wall. I'm gonna lose next turn, so I just cast hard cast a knowledge pool uh with a bunch of mana up and it flipped a teferi for me cast my lightning bolt got the teferi out for the lock and that sealed it up so yeah yeah it's it's fun it's cool it is it is a it's a riot you know i feel like i'm i should put one in my commander deck even though like it has nothing to do with my deck uh but just because you know it's like fun as hell um if you are interested in a slightly cheaper although colored version uh for uh red red and three there's an enchantment that works very similarly with uh lavinia teferi and Dranth magistrate uh it was played a bunch of pioneer as a combo with adventure spells although i i can never remember the name of it do you guys know which one possibility it is? storm possibility storm so possibility oh, yeah. storm will do exactly the same thing you can lock you can lock uh your opponent out by having a lavinia or a Dranth magistrate or it's fairy in play uh and in that case you could play four 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 and four of everything um, and maybe some enchantment tutors because you're like a Jeskai deck. Um, but then you can't not really a great idea. Yeah, not yeah. You can't indomitable into it, and it's not really a great idea for modern per se. But it is something you could do. Um, then you could also have like uh, other redundant combos floating in your deck. So you figured <laughs> out this combo for uh, X equals two on indomitable, and as we've mentioned, you can just have a Teferi in play, and if you manage to stick a Teferi and then you can creativity into the knowledge pool, you're golden. Mm-hmm. So how did you build that deck out? Well, I actually started building it. So I took those cards. Uh, I took the um, shell from the Velamachus deck, uh, mainly the lands and whatnot, and the Renin Sixes and, and all that business to try and uh, build out. 
And then I was like, well, you know, the Teferis definitely make sense because they're redundant copies of Lavinia, so I added the Teferis in. And then I was like, well, Lightning Bolt's good to interaction, and it's cheap. Um, I'm going to add that in. Prismari Command seems necessary because I need to make more tokens. Basically, I ended up exactly back at the Velamachus deck. Um, and so this deck, uh, the version that I played is running one Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, four Karn the Great Creator, four Teferi Time Raveler, four Renin Six, one Lavinia, two Hard Evidence, four Indomitable Creativity, four Prismatic Ending, four Bolt, four Prismari Command, two Remand, one Spell Pierce, one Knowledge Pool, um, 24 lands, and a Karn Wishboard. Um, so basically, you know, the, the flex slots were, I got to cut the turns package and that's where I added in four Karn to remand uh, Spell Pierce and an additional hard evidence. I like it. Karn, um, Karn and Lens and Renin Six is a great combo. Yeah, so the Karn actually was nice also because it acts as copies um, two through five of Knowledge Pool in a sense. So, you know, I've had I had some games where like I lost the Knowledge Pool or, you know, for whatever reason it, it got destroyed. And um, Karn has that backup copy, which is really nice. And I also packed a... Uh, a void mirror in the sideboard so void mirror and knowledge pool is a hard lock on everybody nobody gets to cast spells so if you're already up on board and you think that you can win it um you can just go for that super hard lock where nobody gets to cast spells well you have barn you could animate the knowledge pool and beat them down for six yep 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 that's spice so i I like this that is uh what i decided to take out and um, I took this into the heads up first, uh, and I ran through um, actually five heads up matches, uh, or sorry, four heads up matches. Uh, so I I went 4-0, although one opponent conceded as soon as I got the lock. They just conceded match in game one. Um, <laughs> I don't think that they, I mean, they, they just didn't want to mess with that. I've done that before. Also, sometimes I'll jump to a two-player queue. And it's like my deck is so terrible. It's just like, ah, uh, no, okay, like, not, not, not doing this. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they were really on because they like didn't do anything. I think it was red madness, like mono red madness. Um, mm, but okay, I didn't yeah. see a whole lot of their deck, and then I locked them out from casting spells, and uh, that was the end of that. Mono so red madness in the two player queue makes sense. I buy it. Yeah, well, so the two-player queue is a silly place, and, you know, I played, uh, I beat Red-Green Eldrazi, uh, I beat a mono-white Urian Taxes, um, I beat an Esper Control list, um, but, you know, I, I don't, not to disparage anybody in the heads-up queue, but this is not where you go to find the highest level of competition, uh, so as I said earlier in the episode, I also, uh, took this into a league as soon as I got some time. I have not finished the league, but I am currently 2-1. Um, I lost Woo. to Saltai Food, but I beat the Red Green Hollow Vine and Grixis Luris. So, man, that's, yeah. There you go. Beating tier, you know, anytime, I'm, anytime, even if I won four league, you know, if I beat a tier one deck and like the game feels good and my deck feels good, it's good enough for me. Yeah, Unless... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think my Grixis Luris opponent, like, I ended up just hard casting a knowledge pool at one point, and they just couldn't figure out how to play with it. So I'm, I hey, feel like that... I won that one on technicality. <laughs> hey, that totally, you know, that's 
We put bad cards in our deck just so that our opponents have no idea what the hell we're doing. You know, like that's the only yeah. advantage we get from playing these terrible cards that our opponents are caught off guard. Otherwise, you know, we take severe disadvantages in these games normally. I mean, it was pretty cool. I did. So my opponent tries to cast a Snapcaster, realizes it goes into the pool. Um, at this point in the pool is a Prismari command. And if they would have realized it, they could have just shattered the the knowledge pool with the Prismari command. But instead, they like lightning bolted my, I don't know, I, I don't even remember what I had down. But it was just like not important. They like lightning bolted my Renin 6. And so then the next turn, I got to cast their Snapcaster and then flashback a lightning bolt. And, like, you know, it doesn't go into the pool because it's coming from the graveyard. It, things only go to the pool if they're cast from hand. Anyway, it was clear that they were trying to, like, emulate that line because I was very light, low on life. And they ended up putting two Snapcasters into the pool and then, like, unholy heating my Snapcaster. It, it was just, it was like a series of, of bad plays. I don't know what was happening. Um, <laughs> Sounds like Knowledge Pool is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see where the league ends up, but it, it's it been fun. Uh, I think, Zach, you, you ended up taking this through a league as well, and I think that a lot of your criticisms are going to be uh, very, very relevant, and I think that this is, uh, you know, I, I've, I've kind of, you know, I, I wasn't playing the highest level of competition, and I think I got lucky, like, like I said, I ran into Red Green Hollow Vine. Wait, when, I have to ask Brian, so... How often did you manage to cast creativity for x equals 2, and how often did that hit your two hits, and how often did that win you the game? So, it, it, I, it, I got really lucky. Um, I very rarely drew either half of the combo, so wow. I actually was hitting both pieces with the, the creativity x equals 2. Um, there was one game where I tried to split it up over two turns and I got just horribly murdered for it. Like I played Lavinia hoping that they didn't have any removal. They immediately removed Lavinia. I played the knowledge pool the next turn and just like died to their onboard creatures. They didn't yeah. even bother trying to cast anything. So this, this is a super small point, but I realized that you could probably replace Lavinia with uh, Drenith Magistrate would actually be better because it's a 1-3, so it survives more removal, and it has the can't cast as opposed to counters. And you don't... So yeah, I, I had that thought before I ran the deck, and we talked about it back and forth, and the decision at the time was basically that Lavinia is, like, a better hate piece right now. Um, yeah. but She I, hits I, Elementals. She hits Tron. Yeah. And how does she that, hit Elementals? She's just going to get evoke Solitude and... No, they they can't no, evoke. No, they can't evoke it. If they evoke, oh. it gets countered. I guess that, that's that okay. was that I mean, was part of the that was part of the appeal specifically. Okay, so right? so yeah. evoke. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, Okay, that's fair. You know, that's that's on me. Interesting, interesting. And 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 it was still at the time where we thought there would be a uh, proliferation of Green Tron players, which there really hasn't been. That only mm. lasted like a couple days. Um, there really hasn't been that many of them. I mean, there's more than there were before. It was like a month or two. It was just like zero green Tron anywhere. Um, but uh, th th there are slightly more than that now, but there was like a couple days where it was very common. But uh, if, uh, yeah, so I um, I cut the Jace the Mind Sculptor because that card is pretty unplayable. 
and the one spell pierce for the just to fill out the set of hard evidences and then that's pretty much how i ran the deck uh i mean the core of it being that velamachus four color planeswalker cheap removal core i mean that's really good that can carry a lot um <laughs> i mean the yep. one of the problems i was having was one drawing either of my combo pieces was a real pain um you drew not because knowledge it, pool like every single game. yeah i did draw a knowledge pool like every game like it to be fair i was staggeringly unlucky and i have been yes. with a lot of these um indomitable creativity decks um not so much with Velomachus, but with with all of the other ones that I've played, I've been pretty staggeringly unlucky. Mm. It's still um, Velo just loves you, Zach. You know, you pay. It's like it's like yeah. me and Mana Crypt. I always win my Mana Crypt flips because I'm a Mana Crypt <laughs> devotee, and Mana Crypt rewards me yeah. for being a devotee. And say Velo the, rewards you for treating him so well, or them. Yeah, the number one criticism I had of this deck was Karn. We I just we just don't need to be playing Karn, um, and I think it would heavily benefit from two things in specific which is a way to get the knowledge pool and or lavinia back out of your hand into the deck which could be valakut awakening or the aforementioned cut jace the mind sculptor um and then additionally ways to get them back from your graveyard into the deck um and i know jiggy jiggy like one of my heroes arnold schwarzenegger hates plan b um, because every iota of energy you you put towards Plan B means you're you're taking energy away from Plan A. <laughs> that means and you I don't believe that. in your Plan A, Zach. That's that's exactly what it. That's exactly what he says. Don't have a Plan B because if you got a Plan B, you're going to get distracted from making sure your Plan A works. And, no, and I, that's I have a fine, fine philosophy. Sometimes I um, have Plan Bs now. No, I well, <laughs> and 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 the truth of the matter is like in in Magic that is something you should consider with a deck. Um, in this case, you kind of do have a plan B because the Planeswalker mid-range package that's here, that can win games on its own. Like, Ren and Six oh, Emblem yeah. with Lightning Bolts, all you need to win games. It is. Backed up by a Teferi. And um, even just now, a prismatic ending, too, you know? Like, seals the deal. Oh, for sure. Exactly. So, like, that part of the deck is good. And then, so, we've got four slots or so to play with. Um... I mean, the truth of the matter is, for the Lavinia knowledge pool interaction or um, Lavinia slash Drainage Magistrate slash Teferi, um, it, I mean, if I wanted to build this kind of thing, I would just do something like Possibility Storm or, or play more knowledge pools. Because I just feel like with Indomitable X2... Like, it would just be easier to set up a Dranith Magistrate or a Lavinia hardcast earlier or a Teferi, and then just play a Knowledge Pool. Um, mm. So that that was kind of my feeling, is like, with this deck propping that up, it just kind of didn't seem worthwhile. Now, that said, one of the other combos in one of the other decks I'm going to talk about, I want to try in this specific shell. Not with the Karns, but I want to try the other combination of cards in this specific shell. Should I bring it up at this point? I probably should. One I just got to say, Zach, we used to be so high on Karn. What happened? He was our main man. They were our main well, man. No, they were our, they were our we, main we've, being. We've said it a bunch of times that like Karn is really good when you've got a bunch of extra mana lying around. Um, but it's also... Like, it's good if you can get that out early. This deck can't do that. Um, this deck yeah. also has, like, a lot of other ways to use its mana. So it's, like, mm -hmm. sticking all your mana into Karn on turn, like, 
six seven is just like oof, that's not exciting <laughs> when there's other things you can be like it's just that he's not like the there, there's already so many other things going on here you just need a little bit more protection a little bit more utility a little bit more card selection a little bit more of those things so like so having those cards for like serum visions honestly or again a couple valakut awakenings or just things of that nature would probably be what this what this deck is looking for because what what Karn is doing is just not necessary in a majority of cases if if you can create the ability to either get knowledge pool and or lavinia back out of your hand into your library and or out of your graveyard back into your library so yeah um that said with those improvements here's a big point so knowledge pool plus lavinia is cute but Locking your opponent doesn't matter if they just attack you to death. Um, yeah. Which is a thing that happens in modern right now. Um, so, you know, that's cool. But one of the other decks I played played a combination of cards that I want to highlight at this point. Um, one of them is a creature. Uh, very well known. Much maligned. Uh, Thassa's Oracle. So for blue, blue, you get the 1-3 Merfolk. Yeah. And uh, the the short version of the trigger is if your library is empty, you win the game. Um, and th there's nothing anyone can do about it unless they're playing specifically, you know, Squelch or uh, Tail's End or any of those unplayable cards that counter um, uh, uh, triggers. Um, uh, eh, what? Endurance. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there, there, is, there is endurance. Uh, you can also get killed in response by an Archmage's Charm. Uh, so there are dangers. However, they can make you draw mm -hmm. two cards. Um, yep. However, the other artifact in question, which I had run into before, but I forgot the name of, is called Mirror of Fate. Do you guys know this card? No, I don't. That's Only exciting. from watching your stream. Yeah, so if you scroll down to the deck list that says Da Vinci's Indomitable Oracle, I put it on top. You probably can't read it because it's very small. But it's a five-mana artifact, and it says Tap, Sacrifice, uh, Mirror of Fate. So you exile your library and you put up to seven cards face, from face up exile into your library. That is your new library. But because it says up to, you can just always choose zero. So now we've got an indomitable creativity two card combo, which goes bang, bang, Nexus of Fate, Thassa's Oracle into play, respond to the Thassa's Oracle trigger, sack my, Nexus, or my mirror of fate, exile my library win the game so now instead of trying to imprison your opponent you're just gonna literally win which is yeah that sounds smart that yeah sounds and, you, and if you draw the oracle you can do it for six mana right because you flip out the mirror for four with indomitable x1 and then you play the oracle that's very reasonable and on the flip side you could just play the mirror for five mana on one turn and then indomitable for four on the next turn and win the game there so it's kind of like um, Inverter of Truth that way. Oh, I like the spice. I like the spice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was from Da Vinci MTG, who is um, a, a great deck builder. He's mostly been doing a lot of uh, Esmora, Anamartica, Dyson, and Akuldakar kitchen decks. Um, he's been like one of the like sort of fringier, crazier innovators who's done stuff like the Esmora um, Underworld Breach Grinding Station decks and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's... You, you know, yeah, you mash up those decks. Da Vinci, so, da Vinci uh, is uh, an innovator. Yeah. And the list he had here is what I kind of refer to as like a Belcher-style list, where it's uh, straight red-green, 
it didn't have a lot of rituals or anything like that, but it had explorers and farseeks to accelerate your mana. It had manamorphos to just like literally make your deck thinner, as well as abundant harvest, uh, which was really sweet in this deck. It was using the gingerbread cabin mana base instead. And it was oh. playing a full playset of four Valakut Awakenings to um, put your combo piece on the bottom and four Pact of Negation to protect it. Because if you go for your combo turn, you can Pact of Negation one or two or three times as i've done uh, in some of the games that i played can you uh far seek for a dwarven mine ah okay interesting question so first of all you can't far seek for a gingerbread cabin because it's a forest yeah and yeah that's yeah the one card type you can't you can far seek for a dwarven mine however since far seek and similar effects to it force the thing to come into play tapped the specific trigger on all of those Eldraine lands says when it enters untapped. So even if you do have the requisite number of cards of of the land type, it still won't give you the trigger because what it's actually looking for is the untapping which comes from you having those. Because for some reason they broke up the trigger and they had it written as... Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you have three or more of the other land type. Um, when it enters untapped is the trigger condition. So if you if you put it into play in any way that is a mandatory tap, it won't trigger. Um, Amulet of Vigor doesn't get around that. Somehow. Somehow Amulet of Vigor Am- is, wait, is not broken here. Amulet does? I'm, okay, you lost me, Wizards. Well, you lost because me. A- Amulet, Amulet untaps it as a trigger when it enters. So it enters tapped. And, and then, then it untaps. untaps it. Yeah. Right. Wait, but then so doesn't the exact this enter thing tapped? Makes... And the, oh, then it gets. So this. So, and this would untap with amulet, but it would not create a token. Correct. Correct. That's the point. Okay, okay, it's like it won't okay. trigger. So like. The, okay. So the the point is, a- amulet of vigor is one of those cards where it it drives me crazy that they could have made it a replacement effect, but they made it a trigger, which means multiple amulets stack, which means titan. Um, but in this case, it actually would have helped. For the uh, for it to be the other way around, but they didn't. Um, anyway, that was that was like a very very linear construction. Uh, I went two three in the league. I'm, I'm sure it could have gone better if I was more of a linear deck kind of player. And mm. like the sideboard for this deck is full of ley lines and force of vigors and veil of summers. Oh, and just very linear cards. So <laughs> this it, is one of them I mean, degen sideboards. Exactly, <laughs> like Jiggy or uh, I, I, uh, Ryan Donkin of Ad Nauseum. Um, the ad nauseum aficionado asked me about it and i said you know it didn't go that well for me but i I think this is more of a you kind of deck um people who are much more interested in sort of optimizing every draw step towards their combo pieces um and not really um uh playing magic in the usual (laughs) sense of the words oh uh, zach we preferred the term attacking from a different axis Oh sure, sure, sure. Gaming the meta, yeah, yeah, instead yeah, of meta gaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I do have to step in. I had actually been talking to Phoenix in the Discord about this. Oh, cool. Um, and we had come up with a similar. He had come up and suggested uh, Leveler Plus, or rather, he said a card that exiles your library and Thassa's Oracle. And so I thought of oh. Leveler, but this right. is well, so much better than Leveler because if yeah. you play Leveler, <laughs> Leveler yeah, so is in, bad in, on its own. In most cases, I agree with you. Someone did point out that, one, this can be Pithing Needled, and there are Saga's decks that are floating around with Pithing Needled. Mm-hmm. So after yeah, game okay. one, they might be able to get you with that. Two, 
there are Karns floating around. But again, for the reasons that I listed earlier of, well, you could play the mirror and then Indomitable, Indomitable for Thassa's Oracle in the turn after. And like, that's a much more reasonable line of play than having to play with a leveler in your deck, in my opinion. But again, <laughs> leveler does have an old frame treatment. So, mm. uh, just... And, uh, did it also beats endurance, right? Leveler gets around endurance. Uh, no, I don't think so. It exiles your library, and so if they want to shuffle in your library, you have your graveyard. You don't have any. Oh, but then you still have your graveyard left. Yeah, yeah. Sa sa oh. same with same with the mirror. It, it, neither oh, gotcha. of them get around endurance. Endurance is gonna get you no matter what. But that's okay. Oh man, creepy creepy elk got me today because it has reach. Um, I won the game, but there was a moment where, where my the elemental player blocked, and I was like, oh, yeah, it has reach. <laughs> so um, if we do have a question yeah. about this playthrough with the Indomitable Oracle. Did you draw any of the knowledge pools? That's really what I need to Oh, know. yeah. I, in fact, I actually kept an opening hand where I had Mirror of Fate in it, or Oracle. I forget which no, one. No, I think no. it was the Mirror. Did you draw knowledge pool? Because I watched no. the knowledge pool stream, and you had drawn knowledge pool in oh, just yeah. about every game. So we, I was we, pretty I sure even, you were going to continue drawing hands. it. I kept hands at least twice with no combo, none of the combo junk in my hand, and it was like first two draw steps, bang, knowledge pool. There, and then there was yep. another time I was about to go off draw step, knowledge pool. It was like, oh my god, why? <laughs> like, god damn it. Um, I just assumed it would show up even in this deck list that doesn't. Yeah, have no, it no, it didn't. But but I will say, um, with this deck, I mean, part of the problem I had is like there was one like very reasonable seven, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna keep this. And people were like, oh, the mirror fates in it. I was like, well, I'm gonna draw one of my four Valakut Awakenings, and I got down to like 35 cards in library and couldn't find a Valakut Awakening. I had everything else I needed, but you know, couldn't couldn't get there. Um, this deck is also built in a way where it is very very uh like it has three ren and sixes but there's only like nine mana producing lands and um mm. i think it could really use a basic forest instead of one of the stomping grounds um which was something that i i was talking about on stream a bunch it's it's playing mm. like something crazy like um like 15 fetches and like nine mana sources because it's just it's just full degen mode because it, it well, they, i mean yeah it's not it's not wrong in theory, but like the the way like for me it, it felt super super messed up. Yeah, um, this is this is a D Gen deck. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> fifteen and, fetches, and nine like, lands. Yeah, and not like when I played. I, I played um each of the Cascade decks. I have played Team of Rhinos and Living End each once, and I five would off the bat with both of those decks on stream, and like so those felt messed up, right? Um, <laughs> but like this this deck, it was like. This feels weird. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, it'd be like wearing like the wrong size underwear or something like that. It'd just be like, oh, <laughs> I just, ah, it's not, it's not nice. Yeah, it's take just it, not nice. Takes a different kind of degen to enjoy these piles. Uh, yeah, so, I guess so. I, I guess to bring it full circle, do you think that this package fit into the sort of more traditional shell is... Yeah, I think that's a definitely a direction to explore. And then and then Valakut Awakening seemed like a really good 
uh, other piece for those decks, um, especially. Yeah. So Valakut Awakening, um, like Renin Six, takes advantage, or like Prismari Command, takes advantage of Renin Six picking up lands because we we all know the experience both personally and when we're playing against like Jund, where it's like, oh my god, they have like six cards in hand. I must be dead. And then like the game ends, and it turns out like four of them were lands that they drew over the course of the game because Renin Six was picking up a fetch land every turn. So they they really yep. only had two cards in hand because the rest of them were lands that normally they would have drawn, but the Renin Six is drawing them a land every turn. Um, but with this deck, you get to convert those lands um, into other useful cards with Prismari Command or potentially with Valakut Awakening. So um, I would be interested in jamming that package in the more traditional uh, shell. And it would have advantages over potentially both Velomachus and Emrakul because you, you never, ever need to attack. Um, and yep. you, you are going to beat, you know, uh, certain strategies that, you know, maybe they have in snaring bridge or, or just, just, you know, there, there's, there's nonsense where like playing a card that just says, bang, I win the game is like, Oh, all right. It's I pretty guess, powerful. I guess you, I guess you as, got me. Yeah. yeah. As, as someone, you didn't, you didn't as, need to do anything. You just as you a just breach got player. It. I mean, like, there's a lot of times it's like, oh, sh like you know, I've got no outs, and then like, oh, like yeah. Emery, Emery mills up. You know, like you've got to learn some play cast. Emery, Emery mills a breach, and you're just like, oh, I guess I win now. Nice. Yeah. Um, there were two more lists that once Brian proposed this topic, uh, there were just tons of these lists floating around. Um, so since getting turned on to it, um, we'll touch on the most competitive one of these. Um, as I, as I mentioned before, Mr. Rayeb, um, took a deck that he called Emmy cool K U L. I not entirely sure why he's called it that. Um, but it, it is awesome. So it is, uh, the four color, you know, Velomachus mid range shell, um, Planeswalkers, it's got uh, four Ren and Six, four Teferis, four Lightning Bolts, four Hard Evidence, four Prismatic Endings. Um, it's got some Spell Pierces and Force Negations that sort of hedge on the meta, uh, Prismari Commands. Uh, two Jace the Mind Sculptors, which is, like, just shocking, but, you know, there they are. Um, and I, I love playing it in these decks. It's just, like, something that you normally can't get away with. But this deck has so much interaction and protection for itself, I guess you can. Um and then four Indomitable Creativity. And then the spice is, instead of running a Velomachus and an Emrakul, he's running a Sarah's Emissary and an Emrakul. So Sarah's Emissary was introduced in Modern Horizons 2 as um, basically part of the reanimator package. So it's a 7-mana 7-7 seven seven for four white, white, white. And 7-7 uh, seven seven Flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose a card type. And you and, the Sarah, uh, you and creatures you control have protection from the card type. And the most important thing about this deck is that when he does run into elementals, he just goes for uh, Indomitable X equals two and puts in the Emissary and the Emrakul and chooses protection from creatures. Um, that means the, yeah, that means the only out the elementals deck has against you is a Teferi and they can bounce one of your creatures, but then you can attack down the Teferi or you've got an attacking Emrakul. So they're going to bounce your Emrakul, but then you still have a Sarah's Emissary that's giving itself and you protection from creatures, which means they can't hurt you anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, I have gotten got by the Sarah's Emissary before. That card can be a absolute beating if you are not equipped to deal with it. Yeah. 
Well, or, or on the flip side, it's sometimes it's totally useless because like they 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 have to put it in against like a, a black red deck, and they're like, um, I'll choose instant, and the opponent's like, cool, bone shards. It's like, yeah. oh, damn. Yeah, it has its <laughs> yep. it has its time and its place, but like if you're right, there are many right. decks that just they're just stone cold dead to it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, a glimpse of tomorrow, uh, in particular, uh, if you choose creature, they're they're toast too. No, I mean, um, my, my Breach decks are toast. Like, so many of my decks are toast against Sincere's yeah, Emissary. Yeah. He's got uh, also a uh, Iona Shield of Emiria in the sideboard. Um, no Painter's Servant, Brian, but uh, I, I think you'll probably oh. forgive him. Oh, yeah, there we go. Iona Shield of Emiria. That's the new X equals uh, two combo. Servant and yeah, Iona. You could, you could do that. I mean, we, <laughs> that, we could go old school if we wanted to, by the way, and uh, do Kiki Jiki Sundering Titan or uh, Mephidros Vampire and Triskelion. Um, these are all combos, by the way, from uh, Tooth and Nail in Standard. Um, what was the other one? Um, uh, Platinum Angel and Leonin Abunus, which gives it Hexproof. Uh, yeah, so the, again, like, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of two-card combos. So like, just people out there, like, be, be creative with Indomitable Creativity. It's a super fun card. Full, full disclosure, my ab so I didn't actually say this because I don't know. I you know you sound like a crazy something. person. <laughs> well, my absolute first thing that I went to was the painter Iona. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I don't know though. Like in in the in the four color planeswalker decks, like if you build your mana base with three white sources, which you could easily do. Uh, you might occasionally just end up casting Iona, so like, because I've cast Kozilek in those decks, like more okay. more than a few times. So, so I need to be able to cast white, 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 and red, red, red. Yeah, but I mean that that you're only adding one white source to the deck to do that. That's fair. Because yeah, because the red, red, red is on turn four, right? And you're playing a Dwarven yeah. Mind mana base, which basically means almost all of your lands produce red anyway. Um, whereas uh, Sarah's emissary costing three white, I mean. By the time you get there, plus you have treasure tokens off of uh, Prismari Command, so technically yeah. you don't even okay, need okay, to add okay. a white source. You you have enough white sources in theory. Uh, anyway, so just 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 food for thought. I'm gonna try this now. Huh. And um and then so one last deck to talk about here was uh, a deck that um, the the wonderful brewer and competitor Spider Space took into the challenge yesterday. He started out. Has, they have and, their own uh, podcast now too petered out yeah it's a uh, mishra's babble with um uh, f paulus uh the last modern streamer and who's their last guy i know they have three yeah i know is they have House of uh, Mana? uh someone i free is it moniz jose moniz no i think he's on uh titan talk. titan talk yeah yeah a lot of podcasts these days yeah i know yeah, there right? are there really are uh, Urza's Babel, um, I, I don't know, but, um, anyway, um, so this is a Grixis deck, so it is not using the same shell as the other decks we've been talking about, so this is worth mentioning, um, very clearly, and what he decided to do is mash up a Indomitable Creativity deck with a Reanimator deck, um, specifically for the card Archon of Cruelty. So in this case, you can, uh, Indomitable Creativity for X equals two, and what you get is two Archons of Cruelty. Um, uh, sorry, I, I mistyped this. I actually got a 3-2 in this league, and the, the I think it was the very last match uh, was for the 4-1, and I just got squeezed out. Um, I mean... But, 
This is a Grixis deck. Um, the, the, the cards it's blue for might surprise you because it's more than you would think. Um, but it's like black, red, discard, burn spells, four unmarked grave, which puts, uh, which searches your library for a non-legendary card, puts it in your graveyard. Uh, four persist, which is the reanimation card for one and a black. Um, it brings a, cre- a non-legendary creature back, but you put a minus one, minus one counter on it. Um, not a big downside for this deck. And there's one in unburial rights in here. Um, there is one Savi Triome in the mana base. So you have one white source so that you can uh, unburial rights... Uh, you can, uh, sorry, unmarked grave your unburial rights and then unanimate uh, your Archon of Cruelty. Uh, so uh, it's e- Everos is the third podcast member oh, of, yes, of, of Mishra's Babel. Sense. Yeah, I love love Everos, yeah. wonderful streamer. Uh, I got to say, I love the brutality and the galaxy brain of just screw it. We're just going to indomitable into two Archons and like, you know, like... <laughs> What if we just Great. hit them really hard? Maybe they'll go down. <laughs> and then so I alluded to the blue cards. There's four hard evidence, four expressive iteration, and four Prismari command. Um, so I, I was I was talking to Spiderspace uh, in his channel while he was playing this in the challenge, while he was playing this in the league, and then I played it today myself. Um, and one of the things I didn't like about this deck was that it is a little bit more one-dimensional, a little bit all plan A, um, compared to mm. some of the other decks that we've yeah, talked about. Yeah, it doesn't get the Planeswalker backup plan. Right, and and I think that's really important. Now, he had a completely different mis- uh, or different understanding of what I was talking about. But basically, like, he was saying it's like, oh, if you don't just, like, if you don't resolve your first Indomitable Creativity or first Persist or whatever that you lose. And I'm like, well, no, that's not really, like... That's not really what I mean. What I mean is, like, if you get the Archon and the Archon's not good enough, you lose. Because there's no Time Warp, Ren and Six plan or anything like that. Or even just Ren and Six into Lightning Bolts. Like, there's just there just isn't anything other than Archons um, that's really going to win you any game. Uh, he did not mm. win, by the way. He, like, compared to some of the other decks I have played, he did not win any games off of Dwarf Beats. And I never saw him be able to create any real pressure off of Dwarf Beats. Um, now, to be fair, we're in a metagame right now where that is less common, but it still happens from time to time when I'm playing the Velomachus deck. Um, and one of the key things is, yes, this deck can grind and create card advantage through things like expressive iteration. Um, additionally, you blank plenty of your opponent's removal just by not having anything that's worth removing until you put a dwarf or a crab or a treasure token into play, or not a treasure, a clue token into play off the hard evidence, which they might have a hard time interacting with. So... And expressive iteration is a good, you know, it's a quote-unquote clean two-for-one, so. Most important question, Zach. How good yep. did it feel to iterate to, oh, to oh creativity into double Archon, get Dude, the double trigger? Archon is a house. Um, we it's played like a game Burrow against... Burrow and Kroxa had a baby. They did, and the first game I played against Burn, we were on the draw, I think. Uh, spoiler, I 2 owed Burn, but the first Justice. game... There was like the, the there was someone in the chat who I don't I don't know this person very much, but I was streaming it, and there was someone in the chat who, when I went down to four at one point, they were they just said dead period, and I was like, well, I'm not sure about that, and we ended up coming back with the archon. Um, and the only other message I ever saw from them was, not dead, <laughs> and uh, and then game two, it was just like oh. Turn two, unmark Grave and Archon. Turn three, persist it. That's it. That's game. We won. Um, I, 
I had boarded in one of the Sarah's emissaries. Um, there are two Sarah's emissaries in the sideboard of this deck. Um, you can indomitable for X two against certain decks and choose like instant sorcery and uh, win the game that way. You can choose creature and planeswalker against elementals. Then they have no outs. Um, so that's that's the reason that that's there. There's also an Emrakul in the sideboard that you can um, bring in against uh, both mill and again like you can creativity into it. Um, so. You know, this, this deck does have some pivot plans in the sideboard. Uh, the discard was, you know, obviously useful for... Like, Jake, you've played, um, like, uh, Grinding Breach decks where you splash into black for, like, discard. And it's, it's like, crazy. It's so it's good. It's just really it's... nice sometimes to be like, they have two mana and three cards in hand. Uh, Inquisition. And they're like, oh, no. And then you combo kill them because you're like, yeah, yeah that was, that was a really so efficient way to clear your counter magic. Yeah, or just, um, you know, facing Titan, just being able to Thoughtseize a Titan and then... You know, like, now you have two extra turns to build up your right. board and just win on the spot. Right. Oh, the, the, so the, the game that I... Yeah, the, the, for the 4-1, the reason I lost the last one, uh, I was playing against... I ran into someone who was playing Sultai... Uh, what, what is it called? Is uh, Sultai... No, there's a name for it. It, it was, it was uh, Shardless... Oh, oh, Shardless Bug. They were playing Shardless Bug in Modern. Like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Ancestral Visions, Tarmogoyf, Shardless Agent. Oh, nice. And I, I, I crushed them game one. Uh, and then game two, three, they just uh, managed to uh, squeeze it out. But in game three, I, uh, I had a turn one discard spell. And I took their counter spell rather than their unmoored ego. Because I was like, well, I have Archon oh, no. of Cruelty in my hand. But I boarded in the Emrakul. So in the next seven turns i'm gonna draw an indomitable and be no no i didn't no i didn't so they unmoored ego my archon um and i didn't have a sarah's emissary in the deck at the time and i was just never able to find an indomitable creativity went down to like 35 cards in deck just couldn't find one anytime i would have found one we would have been fine they had like no cards in hand the whole time but uh just just couldn't quite get there uh, and literally the last turn I was alive, I was at one, and I managed creativity out the Emrakul, and they had uh, a Tarmogoyf and an Ice Fang Kotal, and they got me for one. Uh, so, oh, Lou, brutality. Uh, tragic. Yeah. So as, but as I said, like, again, I wasn't 100% sure how I, was, how I was supposed to sideboard that game, and I took a really stupid line there where I was like, well, I'll probably be fine to... To, to let them ego me because it's like they're they're going down on a card right and if i found the indomitable it would be like the the, the quality big brain play that just like annihilates them i mean i feel and like I had, totally totally reasonable play you know like you can yeah, you know i mean if you don't try your undone crypto you're probably gonna be in trouble anyways yeah on the flip side though like this deck is playing four unmarked graves those are now useless four oh, persists true, 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 those true. are now useless and an unburial rights. That's now useless. Mm. So like what I wasn't thinking of mm. is like I can't use any of those cards on Emrakul. So that was definitely a misstep. So if so, your opponent's on surgicals or uh indomitable or uh, unmoored egos or anything like that, uh you just want to diversify your threats. Board in the emissary, at least one emissary, one archon, one emrakul. And uh that'll probably be good enough to get you through that kind of game. But it, it was very, very cool mashup construction from spider space and he's been able to do this a bunch of times uh, a couple weeks back he had an 8-0 tear to the top eight in a modern challenge um playing black red food and it was like black red like luris mid-range but without the luris and it was just like playing 
Ragavans and Urza Saga and Asmo and Oval Chase Daredevil. And it was just it was just really smooth. And no one's really played it that much since then, but that one weekend it, it just stomped. So uh keep your eyes on Spider Space. He's uh yeah. killer brewer. Been, been killing it recently. Yeah, yeah. And uh this deck was really sweet despite some uh some medium results. So then I guess the, the big question to uh, Brian, and also to you, uh, and guys, to both you and to both Zach and Brian, like, so how do you, when you go back to these, how are you going to refine them? Like, especially you, Brian, like, what changes are you going to make and what are, what are, what changes are you first going to try? Uh, I'm actually interested in that Mirror and Thassa's Oracle, Oracle version. I So, I mean, I've been so much luckier than zach was in his league um, <laughs> but i agree that there there's a lot of fiddliness that comes to having a two-piece combo that you're trying to get both pieces of um so that's one thing you know maybe it's just always going to be sort of a fragile situation and that's just something you have to accept uh, but the fact that knowledge pool locks them out of casting means that you really need to make sure that you have control of the board. So I, I would maybe consider adding some number of sweepers or, you know, something to just better control the board. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say, like, this is why I had added the Karn actually. Cause I was like, Oh, I want ensnaring bridge. I want to be able to sit behind an ensnaring bridge until I'm ready or whatever and then realize like oh i can't put the ensnaring bridge in my deck okay well i'll put it you know put karn in or, or whatnot um but maybe that's just not enough maybe adding something like ghostly prison if i want to lean into the prison aspect playing something else that prevents the opponent from winning when they're you know they've already got some creatures on board because really that shell has you know the four prismatic endings the four bolts um, the four Prismari commands. And so you do have a decent amount of board control if you have the opportunity to draw towards it. Um, there were a number of games where I would get the lockdown, they would have a piece or two still on the battlefield, but I would have a Teferi, so I could just Teferi bounce it. You know, um, Once it's back in their hand, it's not a threat. So I think that, yeah, maybe some sweepers, maybe actually adding something like the... Um, uh, blanking on the spell name, three green, blue, search uh, instant sorcery. Or Ring to light. That's the one, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't remember that, but maybe adding like a small bring to light package to add like a single sweeper and, you know, just a couple other utility spells. Um, or maybe just leaning harder into some enchantment hate pieces to like round out the prison but I do really like the idea of winning on the spot with the uh, the Thassa's Oracle. So maybe that's another thing to pursue. Or maybe that's a good sideboard plan or primary plan. And I don't know. Just kind of switch it up. Make people keep them on their toes. Yeah. Confuse people for no reason. I love it. <laughs> How about you, Zach? Oh, well, I mean, mm, yeah. If I wanted to revisit these... I mean, the Indomitable Reanimator deck I had a bunch of ideas for. Um, obviously, there are proven black-white um, uh, Reanimator decks floating around. Um, but I feel like splashing into red for Indomitable Creativity does give you an interesting angle to attack on because you already have these big creatures. Um, the other thing I was thinking of is like going Jund or Jund Blue. 
um, because then you get to play things like Ren and Six and Liliana. And then if you play four Archons, you can dump one to your Liliana, much like they do in uh, the black-white deck a lot of the time, mm. and get it back that way. Um, and with Ren and Six picking up lands for you, you have the ability to quite quite easily get to a point where you end up casting the Archon. Um, so I like and, this idea. I'm down with it. Yeah, and you can lean more into discard than this 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 original version was, or or what have you. So um, I, I had that idea, and that was just kind of floating around in my head. That like, well, what if we played like more of like a Jund reanimator shell, um, and that would be you know pretty pretty interesting, possibly quite quite powerful. Um, and then in theory, if your opponent's like harassing your graveyard, you're like, well, I'm just gonna run in six and Liliana you a bunch. Uh, with discard spells, uh, and then eventually cast an Archon and kill you that way. What um, if we played so... Bloodbraid Elf just to be real Jund? I mean, you could. Um... Uh, Zach, don't you want a Bloodbraid Elf into Persist? That sounds great. Unless you I don't have a target. Bloodbraid Elf. <laughs> Blood Elf into your Indomitable Creativity. That's the next level play right there. Oh my god, you would too. No, get that out of there. Get the Bloodbraid Elf the out of a deck no 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 thank you that that's something that came up with the uh, the the bolus's citadel um but it it didn't really matter it was basically just eating three life to do nothing although the way that bolus's citadel works do you do you get an opportunity to select a target which then forces x to be a value greater than zero or do you have to pick x equals zero have i didn't to try pick it. i'm pretty sure you have to pick x equals zero well, oh, it you says do. that you, you do. I mean, you could it, just choose not to cast it and put it back on the bottom. You could choose not to cast it. You can always choose not to cast it. Uh, you must choose zero, yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a specific ruling that says if a spell has X in its mana cost, you must choose zero as the value of X when casting it without paying its mana cost. Oh, 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 it's because you're, you're, you're casting it without paying its mana cost and then losing life equal to that. So no, it's not. Aren't you paying life? Because if you were losing life. You would be able to. No, no, I, I don't know. I, mm. Mm. It just says. It just says on it on Bolus Citadel on the Oracle text. It says if you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana value rather than its mana cost. So you're paying it without paying its mm. mana cost. Yep. And then you are paying an amount of life equal to that, and they are not connected. So because you are paying it without play, playing it without paying its mana cost, that X must be zero. So Walking well, Ballista has to be a zero zero. No, no Trixie. Womp womp. Yeah. Good try though. Good effort. <laughs> Both citadels played hard. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and 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 one of the rulings here in a two-headed giant game, the last ability of Bolus' citadel causes the opposing team to lose twenty life. So both heads played hard too. Oh, that's pretty sick. So uh, that was a lot of talking by Zach and I. Arun, I see that uh, you have some stuff in the notes here, too. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on since you got back from vacation? Yeah, so I've been on vacation for a month, so I haven't played as much as you both. Uh, but I've been getting back into it, and like I kind of mentioned previously, I've really been loving Urza's Saga, you know? Like, it's it just has that feel of Uro to me where you can play bad cards, and then Urza's Saga will subsidize your bad cards, and all of a sudden, like, you're going to get away with playing bad cards, which is, you know, ideal. And it's also nice because it's not super busted. Like, you know, you still get blown out a lot. Uh, but the one 
I played a whole bunch of Saga shells, and the, the one kind of thing I've noticed is that, you know, there's a real price. Like, if you want to play your Saga on turn two, your mana is locked up for two turns if you want to get the full value, which you normally do, because it's pretty important. If you're playing Hammer Time, you can do things like turn one, Memnite into Sigarda's aid, and turn two, you can drop your Saga, and nothing matters, because you'll still have, like, you can play your equipment and equip it for free or for very cheap. You have Memnite already as a thing, and, like, you know, you're all set, so you can spend your turns sinking your mana into your saga and you still have a board presence and can do things a lot of decks can't actually do this uh, which is what i learned you know <laughs> learned the hard way what happens if you play there's no better way to learn what happens and then you know to just do something even if you're not supposed to do it so sometimes it's like you just drop a saga on turn two and you see what happens and it turns out it's just like well my mana's all tied up i can't cast anything my lands die and then like my opponent runs me over <clears throat> excuse me so there's like a so there's a real cost, and to so there's kind of two different things I've been doing with Saga. One is, which I think is a pretty obvious thing, is I'm a breach. I'm a sucker for breach, and Saga is great as a backup plan for breach. Because let me tell you, uh, there's this new card called Sanctifier and Vec, and if you are playing a breach deck, this deck, this Sanctifier and Vec is not very fun. Uh, it just like shuts off everything. It's insane. Uh, why, I hate that card. It drives me crazy. Uh, Voidwalker too is a pain in the ass, uh, but not quite as bad because you at least you can kill it pretty easily uh, so in all my breach decks now i have this side plan this plan b of uh urza saga because oh you drew my combo i'll just beat your face with constructs i'm, al I'm already playing bad artifacts anyway so you know like what could be better uh so i started so just the breach so i did a whole bunch of brief ones i actually I started with the Croaks of Lazav breach. I was like, oh, you know, like, what if we just add Saga to this? So, you know, I want to cast Lazav, and then I want to escape Croaksa, but I also want to have Urza Saga. Uh, and as you can guess, that's pretty not smooth. It kind of works, because, like, the cards are probably in a vacuum, but we're unfortunately, we're also at the point where, like, Lazav doesn't cut it in modern anymore, you know? I, I don't think Lazav ever cut it, but, like, Lazav was maybe barely, maybe almost acceptable. Uh, but now Lazav... <laughs> I say, maybe almost, you know, doing heavy lifting. <laughs> uh, but now, Lazar, I mean, you know, it's... I, I've, I've swung with two Croaks, and, I, again, and I've lost, you know. Like, that, that's how it Yay! goes sometimes. Yeah, Zach, just say it, Zach. Spit it out. No, I just... I, I just... I could... I could... I just couldn't <laughs> understand your passion for Lazav. Uh once Uro was banned, because Lanny, NY, 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 however, like, he had that oops all Titans deck, and that was really neat, and it used Lazav to do the thing, but, like, man, I just, I, I don't know, he just, he, he just never was doing it for me. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right, you know, <laughs> I got lucky, you know, every time I trophied, I got lucky, and you know, then they didn't publish it, so I actually didn't get lucky. But <laughs> you got lucky, then you got unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I mean, there's just something about swinging with two croaks, seeing two croaks on the battlefield attacking your opponent that like feels pretty good and like feels, you know, it's like extra spice. Um, yep. I just, uh, I'm sorry, but we were just talking about Reanimator. You just need to copy the Archon of Cruelty with the Lazav for a mere what? 10 hey, mana? Yeah. yeah, so here, so two things I need to briefly mention. First off is like now now we get Ragavan, and Ragavan is probably not a healthy card for the format, but goddamn is it fun uh, to play, and goddamn is it not fun to play against if you don't have removal for it. Uh, but, you know, now that I add Ragavan to the deck too, it's like, oh, like, Lazav can copy Ragavan, that's fun, which I have, and which is pretty sick. 
Uh, but, you know, just a whole bunch of things wrong with that. I do want to say, little side tangent, on my to-do list, I slightly messed around with uh, just, you know, these Crooks of Lazav decks. Lazav can copy Asmo for free if Asmo's in the yard. Like, zero mana. Which is actually, I messed around with it a little bit. I didn't pursue it too much because I got distracted by other things. But it was actually a pretty cool interaction. And, you know, like, a two mana 3-3 three, three is more excusable than a two mana 1-3. Uh, you know... Once again, more excusable keywords. But anyways, that's for maybe another day. Uh, so, uh, long story short, Saga is great at circumventing hate and breach decks. So this is what I I started with the Grixis Lazav, and then it's like okay, you know, let's just cut black, uh, cut Lazav, like cut the cut the cut the nonsense, unfortunately. Uh, but let's add some more nonsense. Uh, so this is, uh, hold on, I have to zoom in a little bit. So this is the, this is also. <laughs> I've done a lot of made a lot of bad decks. So this I have this deck labeled Azet Arayo, a parenthesis four. because uh, it started out as an let's add <laughs> I did try to use Saga to subsidize Arayo when I was like, oh my god, so we can subsidize bad cards. What's a bad card? Arayo. Uh yeah, Arayo's just too bad, you know, like Saga can't even subsidize Arayo, that's how you know Arayo has an issue. Uh quite unfortunate and quite sad, but it was just not getting there. So I have twenty lands, uh just straight up blue red, uh fetches. Steam Bands, Islands, Mountains, 4 Sagas, 4 Bobble, 4 Amber, uh, 2 Dragon's Rage Chandler, these are my flex spots, you know, they can probably be a whole bunch of things, 4 Ragavan, and then we have Expedition Map, Pything Needle, Shadow Spear, 2 Drums, Thassa's Oracle, 4 Breach, 4 Expressive Iteration, because that card is busted, and especially if you want to find cards, 4 Grinding Station, 4 Emery, 4 Rebuke, and a Borrower is also another flex. Uh, and Rebuke, I've been loving Rebuke, especially in the Saga decks where, like, you just want to have these terrible artifacts down. Being able to hold up one mana and to be able to Rebuke things, like, being able... One of the most amazing interactions that i found that I kind of want to, like, pursue a little bit more is have, being able to cast Emery and then having a drum in place so you can... Once Emery resolves, you can Rebuke whatever removal spell they have. Uh, and by tapping Emery, tapping two artifacts, that was, that was actually amazing. And I really... It makes me wonder if there's not something here in these shells with like spell pierce where you know maybe you just want emery drum and spell pierce to kind of protect your emery too so lots of food for thought uh but i've taken this through one league so far and i actually for one and it was very it was very close and i lost the five vote and on to bullshit uh, to what i would consider bs actually i'd have to check my notes but the deck felt really good it did what it did Ex iteration was cracked saga saga is absolutely cracked like that card i mean the only I think the only reason that Saga is not going to be banned is that it's so easy to hate out and like so easy like and if when your opponents when your Merfolk opponent spreading sees just Saga like the game's over on the spot. It's oh just man, like, and that stupid uh, Tide Shaper. Yeah, but like even if they don't oh, like it's the on, worst. Yeah, it's just uh, there's so many or you know like when they uh uh Wear what's tear, the yeah yeah spray, yeah yeah it's Alpine Moon oh yeah <laughs> Light of Hope. Yeah, yeah Light brutal. of Hope, Fragmentize, <laughs> um, so it was, Ray of Cleansing, I think it was Wafo Tapo was playing in Bant. Wow, yeah, that's Wafo. Yeah. But, yeah. so I'm going to iterate on this deck more, Max with Flex Bots, but it actually, it functioned really well, and you know, just everything that I had hoped and everything that I hypothesized actually came together really well. Where, you know, like you have Rebuke goes well with everything, all the free things. The dual plan of greet of breach uh, and grinding station addition to saga is a really good you know because those are two totally different axes. 
where you know saga is lands and artifacts in play and breach and station are specifically you know grinding breach uh, or station underworld breach and then Athassa's oracle so they're very it's very difficult to disrupt both of those at once i don't think there's actually one piece of hate you would need two pieces of hate uh which is you know it sucks to lose a one piece of hate which happens all the time with these kind of decks at least used to so this is where I'm at, and I will be definitely messing with this in the future because I think it's pretty promising. The other one I want to mention, you know, I talked with Zach when I was messing with all these Saga things. It's like, you know, someone's got to make the Urza Saga Omnath deck. Like, someone's got to do it. Zach is like, Arun, you should do it. And it sounds like it has four spring leaf drums, which is also like your dream. And, you know, that is like my dream. I do love spring leaf drum. Uh, so I have a preliminary list that I have only tuned in heads up cues i have not taken it into the leagues yet uh but it feels pretty good it's actually it feels good but it, it feels untuned to say the least uh this is uh this is my uh four color omnath uh saga deck and i essentially just took the omnath monkey blade list that i really like uh and then changed changed a lot of things so we have 23 lands and we are we are omnath colors with a bunch of fetches and ren and six so we have you know i wouldn't even I wouldn't even go to mana base. Just imagine, imagine a four-color mana base and four sagas, and like that's what this is. Uh, I have two Mox Amber. Uh, maybe should I should probably be one, but two is more fun. Uh, four Ragavan, four Noble Hierarch, because the deck is, you know, the one issue I was finding with Saga, the, actually the biggest issue is like I kind of mentioned, you play it if you want to play it on turn two, which is sweet, or even if on, on once you play it, if you want to get full value, it locks up your mana for at least two turns, which mm. like makes it hard to do the other things you want to do. And so, how do we get more mana? Uh, Kinnon and Springleaf Drum, of course, because we love Kinnon and we love Springleaf Drum. Uh, and also Noble Hierarch, because sometimes it's nice to have, yeah. you know, less, less restrictive mana. So, four Hierarch, Shadow Spear, uh, three Drum, four Prismatic Ending, three Expressive Iteration, because all the kids are doing it, four Ren and Six, three Growth Spiral, three Kinnon, three Teferi, and four Omnath. Uh, so, this is, you know, I. I don't even know how to classify this deck. It's still, I think I've played in three heads up cues, done a whole bunch of testing. This list is, this version definitely feels best. Growth Spiral's been really, really good. Uh, I actually, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not gonna go too much more into this because it's still very rudimentary, but I wonder if Lotus Cobra is kind of the card that these decks are missing. Because Lotus Cobra it, and so It's almost definitely better than Kinnon, right? I mean, Kinnon's been sweet, you know, but if you don't have it, especially because it's pretty easy to get a drum eventually because you have um, uh, you have Saga, Saga to pick up the drum, and once you pick up the drum, it's two, and then yeah, also... Yeah, but he's just like a bear who's like <clears throat> buffing your other mana stuff like a little bit. That, that's that's all I'm saying is like, it's not yeah. really... Uh... Well, you, mm, you could uh, lean into the landfall thing... I guess you kind of want the Kinnon. I was going to say you could try the Tireless Provisioner, which also makes treasure tokens, which mm -hmm. play well with Kinnon. But then if you're leaning into the landfall thing, you want the Lotus Cobra over the Kinnon probably. Uh, yeah, I, I think the answer is Cobra. Yeah, I, un <laughs> I just want Kinnon to be good again, Zach. That's all I want. I just I, want so, Kinnon to be too, good. I do too, but it's just, like, it's just, it's just not um, at, at all. <laughs> yeah, um, it's... But um, and you you should look at um, what uh, F Paulus's Fran's um, Naya Reclaimer deck looks like in terms of the yeah. artifact package because that one is super lean, um, 
Because you've got multiple Springleaf Drums, multiple Mox Ambers, and a Shadow Spear. But if you cut the Kinnon, there's really no reason to have most of those things. So you can cut it down to bare bones and just have, like, a Shadow Spear, a Pithing Needle, and, like, one something else. Maybe some kind yeah. of uh, Aether Spell Bomb is a, is a good answer for Murktide sometimes. It buys you yeah, yeah, I love game. I'm a big fan um, of Aether Spellbomb. Put that in a lot of my lists. Thing is in the or like a soul guide lantern for just the, like a bit of graveyard hate. Sometimes that's good enough to blow out one of the um, DRC decks. Yeah, they, I mean, just like oh, uh, awkward. So I'm actually not gonna spend too much time on this because you, hmm. Zach, actually inspired me uh, with Song of Creation, which you mentioned, and it's like oh, you know, like why am I doing this when I could be Song of Creation? Like, you know, I want a song. So I we love song, and once again talking about. Plan B's and combo decks. Urza's Saga is a great plan B. And like and you know, also yep. get cheap artifacts, so I will this will be my project for next week, is I will come up with one of these. It'll be Ornith it'll be Ornithopter heavy, it'll be Strike It Rich heavy, it'll be garbage heavy, and it'll be beautiful. Yeah, I I um I actually did at one point try like a Galazeth Prismari um Strike It Rich Song of Creation deck with uh Academy Manufacturer. It didn't go particularly well, but uh, it was it was definitely a place I went to. So I, I want to I definitely want to keep up with both those lists with you because um, this blue red breach deck looks very slick. Yeah, um, it, it it feels strong. Like the uh, expressive iteration is really strong in this deck. I think because like on turn two you could fairly easily play a grinding station or or something like that, and then on turn three you could go iteration into the breach and then win the game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it this this feels strong, you know. Like I took a lot of temptation not to run into another league, you know. It's like oh, you know, like we should end on a high note. It's getting late, like you know, don't want to <laughs> jump into, don't want to trophy hunt when you're getting salty and late at night, you know. That's not, nobody ever wins yeah. if you do that. And not and you can not uh, you nor your opponents. Yeah, and you can look into what Da Vinci did uh, in terms of he did a bunch of like Asmo breach lists that were like close to this. Yeah, um, yeah, they were playing black about... for like. Oval Chase, I think, but uh, there's like yeah. the barely splashing black for that. I mean, the issue is like Oval Chase itself takes up a lot of space. The interesting thing I messed with, so the first iteration of this list had four Dragon's Rage Channelers. And did mm, you know yeah. that Dragon, if you have three Dragon Rage Channelers on the board and a Mox Amber in the graveyard, you don't need a, and you have a, a legend, you do not need a grinding station. Grinding you can station just recast your Mox Ambers and surveil the three yeah, cards. Yeah, that's hysterical. It was, I, awesome. I, yeah, and it's just, you turn these decks together and you run into the queues and you just find all these So in theory, you, you could combo through a Stony Silence with two Mox Ambers. You would have to, as long as you have the You'd double have to have blue two blue men already. afterwards. Yeah. But you could do it. That's really funny. <laughs> you, yeah, it's honestly, it's and sometime it was really nice of actually because like I'll be, you know, you start comboing and you know you're going through it's a whole bunch of clicks. It's like wait, you know, I could start this like you have to count and you're great, but make sure it works. But it's like oh, you know, I can escape my dragon rage Chandler so I can start milling extra cards to make the combo faster. Yeah. Which was it, well, it was not very... only faster, but well, actually, it definitely makes it slower, right? Because it's an extra click where you have to look at the top card and surveil it. In, <laughs> hey, in but paper, it's more it fun. would be in paper, it would be faster. But but more importantly, it's um, you're you're just like less likely to fizzle on the early parts. Like if you have a Dragon's Rage Chandler helping you fill your graveyard, you are more likely to to get there. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you like it's 
Yeah, so it's very... I like this. This blue red list feels very tuned. Uh, I'm probably going to build up my spirits by making the by making the song saga list getting crushed with it and being like you know i just want to crush some souls now and pulling out this list yeah but i'm i'm gonna go grind some people this sounds like fun I, yeah, it's no, been a this... while i still i oh, think i still yeah. got my click muscles ready yeah it's you know it's kind of it's i mean there's something about it that's kind of annoying but at the same time though it's just every time i play one of these grinding breach decks i just feel very much at home you know i guess it's just kind of the style of decks that i like to play and also i've just done this so much especially on magic online it's like, oh, you know, just like, do, 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 click, 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 always yes, always yield, do, 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 save targets, all the good stuff. So, yeah, this is, you know, I've been kind of sum up things. I've been loving Saga, and I'm excited to get to play more bad Sogs, more bad cards, and use Saga to subsidize my bad cards. Well, I am looking forward to seeing the outcomes of all of your wild brewing. Yeah, yours too, Brian. I'm excited to... See what happens with the pseudo-leveler trick. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I might put that on pause for a little while. I have I have all sorts of other things. I've been talking to um, someone in the uh, Faithless Brewing Discord about some reanimator. Uh, I would really like to start poking at Magus of the Bridge. I sort of did early on, mm. and I would like to return to that nonsense. I love uh, it. What, you, know. you have to unearth it, though. Like I won't, I won't let you not unearth oh, yeah. it, Brian. Well, I have ideas right now. So... There's a plucky little 1-1 artifact, uh, Mere Servitor. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I have all sorts of ideas. Anyway, I don't want don't to lead us astray down this path. of No, because I don't, I don't want to get into talking about all the problems of Mere Servitor today. I, I didn't come here for that, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Two, in two weeks, Brian, you can share with us your, your spice, your conclusions that you've reached. Well, then why don't we end it here? And uh, Zach, do you have? Uh, it's been a it's been a while. I don't remember. How did we? What did we end these things with? Brian, I'm a goddamn professional, and I know when it's time for a little bit of bumps and dumps, baby. Woo! You get a unique one on every every single time. Um, have to. <laughs> uh, 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 Arun, I believe you wanted an opening tirade. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. I, I just gotta say, I am a huge, huge dumps to, huge dumps to the coronavirus, and especially huge dumps to people who are unwilling to take the vaccine for like non-medical reasons. Like, there's a mask mandate in Oregon now. There's a mask mandate in most places. Like, I have to wear a mask because other people are refusing to take the vaccine, like that they have right. access to for free. It's like insane. It's just. Ugh, like, come on, we were almost done with masks, and, like, now the Delta, we're, like, in case... Well, and the 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 people going around unmasked, refusing to be vaccinated, and what, before there was a vaccine, overly fraternizing with each other, etc., that has created a situation where there were more infections that allowed the virus to more quickly mutate, right? And that's oh, yeah, yep. part of the I reason mean, well, why we're dealing with what we may Not, be dealing with soon, right? Uh, in theory, yes. However, the Delta variant, I believe, involved in India. And, like, so, like, it's... Okay. It's, it's not yeah, they, the they U- didn't I mean, have any... Yeah. There's there's a small chance that we will get, like, bad strains here, but most of the bad strains are coming from the places that don't have access to the vaccine because fair, the Western fair. and European and U.S. governments are hogging it all. Uh, but, right, right, right. Yeah, just... 
Uh, the other thing I really want to say is like if you're not vaccinated and like you should really at this point the Delta variant is significantly different from any other variant we've seen so far. At this point, if you are not vaccinated, you will get COVID. The Delta variant will infect you. It is just that infectious and people aren't taking the precautions. So like this isn't I told this is not this is not a tell this is not telling unvaccinated people to get vaccinated. This is this isn't I told you so. As in like if you do not get vaccinated, you will get COVID. And that is unfortunately how what is going to happen. Uh, so please get vaccinated so then we can end the mask mandate and I can go back to being unmasked outside and outside and unmasked in stores, which is pretty sweet. Uh, but you know, until then, I definitely do recommend that everyone who is vaccinated follow the mandates. Like, I'll be playing Paper Magic tomorrow. Very excited. Gonna play some garbage. However, you bet your ass I'm vaccinated and I will be wearing a mask. All the full time. And, and, a, and an interjection of a related huge jump to all the players, as far as I could tell, on all the footage, all the pictures at the uh, Hunter Burton Memorial Open this weekend. It was a huge paper tournament. And I had previously seen a tweet about a paper tournament that was like uh, about 100 players, 96, in quite a small LGS. Like you think in your normal Iowa. LGS. In, well, I didn't want to call out where it was, but yeah. That you was got the it, one. man. And there was, it was like three masks out of 100 people, give or take. Uh, one of the, the, the judges on the floor said it was like more like seven. But like, come on, guys. Jesus. Yeah. And, and the other one was in Texas, which like... I don't know Texas that well, but apparently the Magic players are the people who are taking this shit seriously, which, good, thank goodness, I guess. But, you yeah, know, for real. Jesus I mean, Christ, I'll get your shit together. Yeah, I mean, well, the headline, like, you know, the people who organize the tournament, they are just so on top of their shit. You know, like, you know, Cedric Phillips, right, like, right, right. Spike, a whole bunch of big names went, and everyone there is like, you know, like, if you're not wearing a mask, just like, I will call you out and just like, fuck you. Uh, which is beautiful. That should, should, should if be you're not done. wearing a mask, you can get out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. otherwise bumps bumps to honestly bumps to family reunions. You know, like got to it was grandpa's 95th birthday. Got to see the cousins again. Got to see a bunch of aunts and uncles. You know, like everyone. You know, we would we had a very close family, so we'd see each other a lot when we were younger. And now just seeing everybody, you know, like 20, 25 plus years old and like having their own jobs and starting to have kids. It's wild, and it was a wonderful time, and you know, just magical having so many people around, playing lots of board games, just getting you know those huge gatherings with close friends and family that most people haven't had nearly as frequently as they used to, and that was really wonderful, and definitely you know opened my eyes and kind of made me reconsider, uh, you know, like where I'm going to live in the future and like where I'm going to move once I'm done with my postdoc, etc. So just you know, very it was a wonderful time, and definitely huge bumps to family to large gatherings with friends and family. I think is just you know. It'll be very nice to have those start coming back for everybody. Here, here to that. How about Brian? you, Zach? No, oh, no, oh. you got to take it away, Papa Bear. All right. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that because I'm going to go ahead and give a big old bumps to um, single parents. So my wife is sick right now. I've been spending a lot more time uh, with our son one-on-one. -on -one. You know, normally it's like, yeah, I watch him for a couple hours or whatever. Like we, you know, I spend time with him and things like that. But, you know, if I need to make dinner or I need to like do some chores around the house or hell, I need to use the bathroom. I just say, hey, watch him for a minute while I go and take care of those things. And she's been pretty under the weather. So she's just been sleeping the day away uh, trying to recover. And, you know, I've only been doing this for a couple of days now and just like, it's exhausting. I cannot, 
imagine being a single parent trying to cook dinner and work a job and manage a child. So uh, huge bumps to anybody who manages to do that. Um, even if you think that you're not doing it well some days, uh, the fact that you're doing it at all is like superhero status. Um, so there's that. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to Stanislav from the dive down and a big bumps to him. Uh, in the same vein, he recently became a father, uh, which I'm not spilling any any secret news. This was also announced on the, the most recent episode of The Dive Down. Um, but yeah, I wish you all the best, uh, buddy, if you're listening, and uh, good luck with the baby. Yeah, and, they, um, they're all great guys at The Dive Down, and Stan, uh, Stan, Stan seems like uh, just a real font of like wonderful positive energy for the whole community. For sure. So For he's sure. gonna he's gonna do great at being a dad, I'm sure. It really seems like he's into it, and I think that's one of the most important things. So, um, and I'm gonna just go ahead and say big dumps to other sorts of viruses and bacteria that have not <laughs> received their due hatred uh, these past you know year and a half while we've been in lockdown. I forgot what it was like to be sick, and having recently sent our child back to daycare. He, of course, came home and brought a cold with him. So if I sound a little congested or I sound like I'm getting over something, it's because I am. And um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot what that was like. It sucks. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Mass and social distancing work in terms of not letting you get sick. How, you know, there were actually there was no there was no flu season this this previous year because of all the mass yeah. and social distancing. It just didn't happen. The flu is not contagious mm-hmm. enough if you social distance. So, you know, just you know, hilarious. Are we sure that wasn't a, a conspiracy by the Democrats to make sure that the flu was less de- deadly than COVID so that all that misinformation from the beginning ended up being truly misinformation and not accuracy? <laughs> oh, no. I just, I just feel like somewhere in the world that was already a theory. Like, I just came into my head. I was like, oh, I bet someone thinks this somewhere. I'm sure you know the, people. People. The reason there was no things. flu season this year is because, oh, there was. It was just underreported to make uh, Republicans look bad. Oh, yeah. People believe anything. Anything that justifies what you want to believe, you can pull yourself into believing. No, it just, it makes so much sense, Arun. It's all coming together. All right, good luck, Zach. (laughs) Good luck. Uh, well, I, I, I gotta give uh, big bumps to my beautiful co-hosts here. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's great doing this show with you guys. Um, you know, technically speaking, this is episode 24, but this is the timing for episode 25 because we missed one, which yeah. means in theory, our next episode is our one year anniversary, which yeah, is that's pretty exciting. crazy, right? Uh, is that right? Do some party. It is. Yeah. It yeah. sounds right to me. That's crazy. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check our calendar, see if that, that's accurate, but uh, it's been pretty incredible. Um, bumps to Brian for his insightful thing because I was raised by a single parent. And I probably, uh, yeah, I was, I'm a pretty well behaved human being from, uh, when I was tiny to when I was, uh, an adult. And I started, uh, I started helping out my mom around the house when, when I got into my teen years. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always nice to hear people talk about single parents in a good way rather than a, you know, a negative way as, uh, I was pretty lucky by the time I was growing up in the nineties that it wasn't, wasn't quite as much stigmatized. Um, so, you know, uh, big, big bumps to that and all the people, uh, who, 
in our community who I'm sure were also raised by single parents. You know, we're, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're all just a part of this little world. Uh, big bumps to paper magic. I'm excited to see it. Um, I mean, yeah. just seeing my friends has been a, a big deal. I honestly, I, all I've said about paper magic coming back to Canada is the first comp REL tournament competitive. All I don't need to be playing. I don't need to be judging, but I need to be there. Cause I just want to see the shit show of, uh, judge calls and rules interactions. And like, uh, I've only done this online for 18 months. How does this work? <laughs> like, like oh, yeah. I've never revealed a companion in paper. And like, I think I know when it happens. It's after the die roll, before you mulligan, in order between the person who won the die roll and then the other person has to reveal. Well, it's, it's before like, you even draw your hand, not even mulligan, right? Correct. Correct. Well, that's what I mean before, like, before you draw hands. Like, before you get to the, the mm. like, I've called the mulliganing section, right? Like, yeah, before yeah. you draw your hand. Yeah, but, like, I still haven't done it. And, like, it's just one of those things, like, like you don't know if your opponent does or doesn't. It's like the ley line step at the beginning of the game where it's, like, if you're on the draw and the other person knows they're on the play and they just start playing, you have to be like, wait, I have a ley line. Like, but, like. <laughs> And in this case, they're, like, going to start drawing their hand, and you're like, wait, I have a companion. Well, you know, I'm going to solve this because I'm playing with the Yorion deck, and my opponent will see my fat Yeah, they'll, they'll figure that out pretty quick, pretty quick, pretty quick. Um, I've, also, I've never breached in person, like, so I'm very excited to breach in paper. It probably never affects play draw, so just go ahead and sit down and flip over your companion because they're oh, going to yeah. see yeah. it before you before they draw their hand anyway. So, like... Just go ahead and sit down and flip it over. It's not really going to help them in any. In I'm going to do you one better, That's... Zach. I'm, I'm going to tattoo Yorion on my forehead. <laughs> oh, I look forward to this. Yeah, Next yeah. episode with photos. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, Pixar didn't happen, but um, but uh, anyway, there's a. Uh, I've been um, uh, there's a podcast I really like called JudgeCast, which is which is by judges for judges. And they've recently started back up again, which has been really nice because they, they, they were trying to keep it going through the pandemic. And at a certain point, they were just like, you know what? We're, we're just going to take a break until it seems like this is coming back because it's just hard to be motivated to talk about this stuff. And I totally get that. But I'm just glad to have them back because they're a wonderful breath of, uh, breath of fresh air and uh, supportive sort of part of the uh, judge community. So that's, uh, that's wonderful to have back. And I... Uh, Honestly, I can't wait to get back into judging because I, I float around the different Twitch chats and being someone who is a judge, it's like, it's just like, a like you don't need to be a judge to have the level of rules knowledge that I have. Um, but it certainly helps to have the motivation to study that hard and to bother to go learn things like layers because they, they will be confusing. Uh, why doesn't dress down stop the dryad of the Elysian Groves? Oh, it's so in, unintuitive. It should work that way. And it's like, well, there's a lot of other things that the reason the layers work the way they work makes most things work the way they should. And if you start like thinking like, Oh, but dry a dress down doesn't work on intuitively. We need to change it. It's like, well, you don't understand what you're doing to this very carefully crafted system. Uh-huh. All of a sudden <laughs> the whole thing is going to get really messed up if you, and you don't understand what you think, what you're asking for. So, uh, if, if you think something's unintuitive, just just uh, always realize that the rules of magic are are actually pretty robust, and the interactions that you see um, 
they didn't plan on these things coming up, right? Like nobody thought an instant speed temporary humility was going to get printed as a cantrip. So that means it was going to get played in competitive decks. You know, nobody thought they were going to print a reverse blood moon on a creature. You know, that's a weird card. So, you know, the, 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 the rules are robust. Go learn them if you think they're unintuitive. And then, and then you can say, oh, yeah, this is unintuitive. Or, oh, no, I guess it makes sense. So once you've got the, uh, the, the benefit of the experience, I guess. That's it. I've yammered too much. I'm done. Respect. All right. Well, uh, we, wow, we, we really, you know, every time I think, hey, I think this one's going to be a short episode. <laughs> Somehow we make it to the two-hour mark and beyond. So, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to see yes. your wonderful faces. It's good Amen. to talk magic again. Great to see, yeah, great to see both of you. Great to talk magic and talk jank with you both. Yeah. Until next time. See you later, guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to episode 24 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg. Email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com or join us on Discord from the link in the episode description of your podcast player or at serumvisions.podbean.com. Remember, our most popular episode was like the four hour one. <laughs>